Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. And I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. Hello lads, I'd say how are you, but we've just spent almost an hour uh, chatting with our uh, patrons about uh, all kinds of WCW in the uh, in the late 90s, uh, TNA in the early 2000s, uh, long wrestling matches. Uh, it's been a laugh, we'll be a uh, podcast started early this week. Kevin Nash Films. Kevin Nash Films, we're talking about doing that for Kevin our Nash Patreon. in general. Mm. <laughs> Above average Mike Sanders. Yeah, <laughs> wonderful <laughs> conversations going on. Have uh, we did... Oh yeah, there you go. Yes. One. And speaking of Liverpool, um, Gareth, did you manage to get your jab this oh, weekend yeah. at, and, at Anfield? Yeah. Saving it for this. Oh, thanks for saving it to make me look like a massive twat to the to, the, to oh, an even bigger audience. Like... <laughs> I just totally, I just totally fucking just ballsed it up and just cocked my times up completely. And I was like lying there in the bath. I was lying there in the bath on Saturday morning, and I just thought, oh, what time is that um, job today? Because I hadn't checked it since I booked it. And then I was like, oh fuck, it's right now. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like sat in the bath, so I've had to reschedule. So I won't be having that until oh, this Wednesday. No. And instead, of, instead of going to Anfield, I'm going to a pharmacy behind Bootle Golf Club. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that will teach you. Different sporting surrounds, but hey I've got to ask about this. Saturday morning bath? Is, is, that, is that an acceptable time to have a bath, Saturday morning? I don't know about that. I said someone to have a bath on a Saturday morning. I don't know. Like, That's I, a bit, dic- bit dictatorial, this, but I, I mean, Jack can tell me, but like, do people get morning baths? I didn't. There, to be fair, there's a woman in my work who, like, she gets up, she always, because I, I, I get up late and go to work at 10. She goes in at like six in the morning, but every morning she gets a bath at like four in the morning and then walks to work. And I think that's the weirdest fucking thing in the world. I can't imagine wanting to get a bath the first time, first thing when I get up. Shower, yes. Bath at night, yes. Morning, I don't know. I'm just thinking about you as if you're never fucking awake in the morning on a Saturday. That is true. You're asleep, you're asleep till about one o'clock. So you, the idea of a Saturday morning bath to you really is a fucking alien concept. That's why I'm um, so freaked out. Yeah. No, it's it's a great it's a great opportunity to like escape the children for an hour. You know, mm. just uh, take your phone yeah. up to the bath, throw a bit of catch up on Twitter, throw a bit of wrestling on, a bit of me time. <laughs> I, I, I like a good bath. Don't get me wrong. Um, Andy's voting against Shuri. Um, I, if I got a bath, I got it. You're right. I don't tend to get up early anyway. To that, I was telling, explaining to JP there before. I didn't sleep very well last night, so I, uh, I basically been sleeping all day. So this is like my morning now. So I can't talk. But I do like a nice evening bath. You know, it's dark out. You set some candles up. Have some bubbles mm. going. You know, it's uh, nice, nice and relaxing. I don't know. But daylight out. I didn't really, this is like an education for me. I didn't realise a morning bath was so controversial. I, I'm going to blow your minds now. And I'll never bath on a Sunday morning as well. <laughs> wow. I'll just calm down and chill out here. I know that's Mate. Two, two morning baths in a week. But, uh, this know. isn't a podcast. This is now an intervention. Do you have bath forms? Do you have like, like favourite like, things you have and stuff? Uh, next up off the wife? Is, is, how's it go, Gareth? No, no, none, none of that bollocks. Just... just uh, just a bit of water and a bit of, bit of whatever, you know. A bit of shower gel. <laughs> bit, of, bit of shower gel. Shower gel works. Controversial, you know. Hey, if shower, there's no bubble bath. The bath. <laughs> there's no bubble bath. Shower gel in. Just froth it up a bit. It works. It makes bubbles, doesn't it? It counts. Exactly. As long as I've got you need to get yourself down lush, Gareth, this weekend, don't you? Get yourself <laughs> some fancy bath bombs. Yeah, yeah there you go. Go, go for Chris Brooks. Bit of warm water in my phone. That's all I need. <laughs> in Old life school. 
Cumbrian. Uh, a Cumbrian bath. No frills. <laughs> fucking bubbled shite. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I, didn't tell you I'm, I didn't tell you I'm sat in the outhouse in a fucking uh, tin contraption. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think Grandad used to have one of them. I'd like, literally, my Grandad would use it to have a bath outside. <laughs> Strange. You're a bath fan, JP? Uh, quite rarely, normal in the morning. It's, I haven't got the time. Like running the bath in the, I get why and I would have done it when the kids were little and you just think I want to hide somewhere for an hour I mm. just want some peace because mm. this is hellish these days I didn't give a shit because it's just a couple of blokes here so like <laughs> it's it's a very different affair like and I couldn't hide in there anyway because they just want to come in and use the toilet and it's just like oh, no like this is this this would get even bleaker but there you go <laughs> See, I, I experienced that, that so, just, yeah. but just with my cat. She kind of just like sits on the edge of the bath, threatening to like jump in or something like that, which would be an ex- yeah, you don't want that. Um, but yeah, she she that's she doesn't uh, give me a moment's peace either. But I'm sure that's not the same as having kids. She doesn't give me saying that she doesn't give me a moment's peace doing it. And this cat, like I was saying on it last week, wasn't I? That like I got I got a Greg's in at the weekend, and literally now whenever I order a Greg's, I have to order the cat her own chicken bake. That's the that's the state of my life. So I kind of understand what it's like to be a parent because I'm like. I'm, I'm a, basically a bad parent in that I give an actual cat chicken bake from uh, from Greg's. I don't think it killed. I don't think it would kill a cat though. I feel like you know, I cut it open, I do like a slice through the middle, and then open it up. I was going to ask it you, did, does it eat the pastry? No, no, she just licks the uh, the chicken off because nah. well, it basically yeah. Ever, ever ever since any time I get Greg's, if I don't get her her own, she just harangues me now because she's got the taste for it. So yeah, I always have to spend the extra two pound and uh, and sort it out. Uh, that's what it's like spoiling it's your like, kid, spoiling your loved ones. It's like crack for cats. Chicken yeah. bake. Chicken bake from Greg's. Yeah, Honest to God, I think it is. Yeah, I don't know what's in that you stuff. Start again, shivering in the corner at the weekend. Yeah, if you don't order it, it's going to start shivering in the corner. <laughs> Giving me shit. Having a cat fucking version of you and McGregor being fucking locked in that bedroom by his mum and dad in train spotting. <laughs> <laughs> seeing a chicken paste, seeing a chicken bake fucking floating on the ceiling like the baby. <laughs> we've never seen train spotting none of this makes sense <laughs> it just makes oh, me definitely. just think of you it just makes me think of university where mm. anybody's flat or anything that you went into that train spotting poster was up in every single student's uh, flat in 1996 like yeah. it was just uh it was it was just the absolute it, you know student staple that thing so it, like literally every time i see it, i just my mind just goes back to those uh, hazy days of first at uh, first year university turning up at random parties and things and that safety net of there being a train spotting poster on the wall just to just to see you right I, I used to teach it i used to teach about it for uh students when i used to teach media a level mm. and make them watch it and they were like they loved it be like blown away by it thinking how great it was um yeah so yeah it, it's so like it does kind of work it's mm. the sequel's awful by comparison don't watch that that's Do, really does the first film still hold up i reckon i haven't watched that film for 15 yeah. years but and like at the time it was like oh this is amazing kind of thing but obviously yeah, it you does. Were 18 is it still good it's still good you still laugh like you'd know a lot of the jokes because you would have seen it a lot so a lot of it will come back i'd still think it holds up last time i saw it, it's probably about six years ago but I, I honestly, God, I think it's it's great. Nope. So yeah, no, Tra- my film recommendation: Train Spotting, nineteen ninety six. Do you own the Progress T-shirt, JP? The one where it's like choose Progress or whatever the fuck it is. No, the white and uh, orange one. 
They'll proud of no, themselves with I that one, weren't they? They really were, weren't they? Which is again something that was just ripped off ad infinitum. Yeah, that was yeah. Do you think of all the things that you could write down for what choose progress means now in hindsight? <laughs> it's like a good alternative t-shirt, isn't it? What's but a very the, dark list. What's the show coming up? It's like called like One Leg Cocked in the Air or something like that. It's called. It's really? it's, a, it's some kind of cricket reference. I don't really understand what it is. Like I assume JP knows. Is it a cricket reference? They got a they got like a well, it's progress in it, so who knows? But it has got like a cricket ball and like uh, some stumps, I think, in the uh, in the uh, in the logo. One leg in the air, yeah, that's what it's called. Is that a cricket reference? I mean, possibly, but I yeah, it would kind of make sense that a commentator might well have said it. But Ian's telling us not to really because of the things that might come up. Good points. I was going to say, <laughs> I just went to Progress Wrestling Twitter. It's. Uh, have you done your homework for BWE, by the way? No. We get stuff <laughs> I will before Thursday, I promise not. <laughs> he sent me the rundown before. He's been nice to me. He's only making me watch one progress show, so, you know, it could be worse. It's poor form, Martin. <laughs> sort it out. He That's because he, he only to wants to watch one as well. Learn. <laughs> <laughs> None of us want to watch any, if we're all honest, like, but, you know, we've got, we've got a... He wants a break from the snooker. <laughs> he well, does, not Gods does. of Snooker on BBC Two, which is fucking amazing. What's that? Uh, it was a show about Alex Higgins. That was on last night. He was yeah. he was a fucking wild man. Yeah. Back when wild men were wild men. Sorry. <laughs> Love this new Speaking of it, have you been watching the uh, the Partridge uh, revamp, JP? Yes, uh, I've been loving it so far. I've been like completely on board with it. Like mm. the, the fact that John Thompson came back last week. I because we st- I'd stopped watching it for like the last nine minutes before we then recorded the um mm. uh the the show on the Brits abroad. Mm. So yeah, I managed to get around to finishing. Just loving that series. Just think mm. it's like, it's great. I'm just hoping Martin Brennan makes an appearance again. I'd just be so made up if that's the case. Speaking of recording on Friday, there was something you let slip that happened oh. at yours that I, I kind of specifically want you to mention again on this show. Cause I think as many people should hear it as possible, but what, what happened with like, your doorstep. Were you allowed oh, to go right. into this? Place? I didn't know where you were going with that then. Oh, no, oh okay. I'm still trying to get to the, what all is. I'm still trying to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, the purple, the purple bin thief, and the uh, the the person who uh, who had their dog uh, shit on my uh, my uh, my doorstep the uh, a few months ago, literally on my on my welcome mat. That's a it's a painful memory, but it, it did happen. And then yeah, the other day I, I had a I thought I had a delivery coming, and I, I thought some I thought I heard the door go, and I opened the door, and yet yeah, there was a a man stood outside with a dog who took one look at me and then sprinted off and then I had a little look at my security camera and he'd been stood out there for a couple of minutes trying to get his dog to go like literally right outside my front door it was the weirdest fucking thing um, so it wasn't my neighbour it appears it's just some fucking rando neighbourhood uh, dog shitter but yeah I've uh, been keeping an eye out since JP I've not had any more spottings I've, uh, every night at half nine I'm checking my camera I've, I look at outside see if he's there I've got loads of so it's a thing I've made it all nice outside I've got like some nice plants out of from B&Q you know it's that time of year put them out I've got a nice new welcome mat if he fucking shits on that welcome mat we're gonna have we're gonna have words uh, there's gonna be a there's gonna be a fight in uh, in Liverpool like coming up JP who is this man <laughs> I don't know like that's the question like I speculated on Friday <laughs> that it might be someone who's not happy with some of the shows you recorded or some of the tweets, which, let's face it, let's not be on the realms of possibility. <laughs> um, but 
like that's terrifying mm. that you have to check outside your front door on mm. camera what is going on at half past nine in the evening. That's a terrifying thought. Now, I'm, not, nice. I'm not comfortable with you, you living there if that's going on because that's like, that's creepy. Mm. Like you'll end up in some black mirror style situation soon enough. Like <laughs> you'd sold me that this this place was better than being in Walton. I'm struggling to see the evidence and having had a wander <laughs> around the stadium and Walton, I'm like. Oof, like it didn't happen to you there, did it? That's true. That's yeah. true. Liverpool's yeah. a bad area for it, though, for like dog shitting and stuff. Like people are just horrible. Like people just, like people just don't clean up after animals. It was the same in Walton. It was the same in like when I lived in Crosby, not far from Gareth, like round the shops where I was there. It was just, it's just a constant, constant nuisance. JP, people with uh, with dogs who don't look after them. But this one feels a bit more targeted. I feel like this guy's, uh, this guy's aiming for me. I don't know why. But I'm gonna find out why. And yet, as uh, as Connor has suggested in the talk in the chat, I might lob a purple bin at him at some point. Um, but it'll be caught on camera. So there you go. Bonus material for the patrons. You know, CCTV footage is uh, is coming your way on uh, <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/grapple. If I uh, I do find myself in a fight. Patreon's taking a fucking turn, isn't it? The last <laughs> few months. <laughs> um, dark side of the bin, I know, isn't it? That's where we are. Well, if you if you come and stay in a few weeks, JP, in uh, in June, if you are coming up for that TNT show, you can uh, you can back right. me up, mate. We'll take them out. I'm having thoughts now, mate. Yeah. <laughs> What's going to happen? Some bloke watching me while I sleep. I mean, like, you can go in a number of directions. That's just me. Here. <laughs> yeah, I can live. I can live with that. That's fine. But like. What's yeah, going on? <laughs> Mental I know, bullshit. I know. Well, I've been doing that. What you guys been up to? Anything interesting? Voted. Mm, I didn't. Weird set of election results. Mm. You didn't, mate. Didn't Come on. Sort that out. Like, did you not you vote for Joe Anderson? Anderson. Joe Anderson. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> this was something we talked about on the pre-shows. You had uh, Liverpool's uh, uh, dodgy mayor, Joe Anderson, obviously is out. Oh. And the replacement that uh, the Labour have put up, Joanne Anderson, who is uh, not in fact Joe Anderson <laughs> in a dress, it is a separate person. As the leaflet literally says that came through Medora, just specifically saying, no relation to Joe Anderson, uh, Joanne Anderson. Um, but I don't trust Selected. it, JP, that's why I didn't vote, I wasn't just lazy. Oh, why selector? <laughs> like, it's an accident waiting to happen. It like, is, isn't it? Like, like Sarah said, though, you could put a red rosette on a dead pig in Liverpool and it would still get in, you know, so it's, uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's one of them. It doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't matter. I suppose there's an, an element of brand recognition as well, isn't there? Everyone's new. The mayor is now as well. So there you go. Good branding. Why, why drift too far away from Joe? She's like the anti-Joe. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Just like you, mate. Um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I didn't vote. Feel free to shame me, JP. What I would recommend, oh, Keir Keir Starmer. Mm. I'm more disappointed in the leaking stuff today. And when I'll say it from my boring Labour member, loving a bit of policy driven stuff, that there were some good results for some of the councils and Mm. stuff like that. And then it all got completely ruined. Normally what you do as a leader, you go to see one of your new city mayors in a place like Bristol. But no, it becomes uh, another usual bullshit intra-party fight. Angela Rayner gets sacked. It doesn't really get explained. Then she's not really sacked and is a party chair. So it's just like, really? This needs to happen? More of this intra-fighting bollocks? You don't see Tories doing this. They know how to hold their fucking shit together like adults Mm. and, and just go, right, not Labour. 
absolutely tiresome if you're a Labour Party voter. But they got in in Whitney, which is the place where I work. And I laugh my fucking pants off at that. Like, because that's not a place that you normally would think that. I was looking around and there looked to be a few angry people today. And I don't generally like walking around Whitney. So that cheered me up. <laughs> there you go. Politi- I, I recommend listening to Will Cooling's uh, latest, uh, It Could Be Said, where he goes into great detail about it. I had a good listen to that last night. Well, it's always the uh, the people you don't suspect, JP, that turn out to be the right wingers. Did you see the uh, the kickoff yesterday on on Twitter because Steve Austin retweeted Ben Ben Shapiro? It was like, oh yeah, how how shocking! Stone Cold Steve Austin, the Texas rattlesnake, the redneck again from Texas, who's a multi millionaire, fifty something year old from Texas, might be right leaning. Who knew? Like, yeah. <laughs> never mind the fact that he got dropped Honestly. on his head so bad he had to retire. Like, you know, come on. Like, <laughs> I don't know what people expect. It's like because he's a wrestler, I like he must he must follow all my politics as well. It makes no sense to me when people uh, think like that. He might he be against, like he fought, he fought against the man for so many years as well. Who'd have mm. thought? <laughs> as an independent contractor, they're all self-employed guys taught to kind of like basically hustle and keep every penny they have mm. they're not interested in, in expanding the social safety net on the whole these boys mm. are they they just want to make so they look at the republicans and think low taxes and he's a multi-millionaire so he's going to be thinking especially low taxes mm. so yeah it's not that much of a surprise is it i remember someone saying that about that before being disappointed in rick flair being a republican <laughs> and it's like have you seen rick flair Mm. He he embodies what a Republican is. Like, mm. honestly, to God, you'd look at him and just think, yeah, if he wasn't, I'd be stunned. Mm. In the same way that like Jim Cornette is a Democrat. That like, one's shocking. Which, Like, mm. if you've ever seen, like, that clip from 2001 where he's, uh, after uh, September 11th, where he's, like, talking about, like, how America should go and, go and bomb all of these, I'm not even going to repeat some of the words he said, um, these countries. Like, he come, couldn't have come across more as, like, a patriotic right winger and John Cena stood there the prototype uh, while Cornette's cutting this promo but the whole rest are stood behind him and everyone else is clapping and Cena's just stood there like clearly knowing at some point in the future this footage might be used against me I'm not going to join in <laughs> and he just stands there silently it's great I remember that it's in the ring isn't it OVW and it's just fucking weird mm. like who's waiting for what 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 does a higher valley wrestling have to say about September 11th we need to know we better <laughs> cut a promo on this <laughs> Couldn't have like a wrestling show. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like Sean said there, JP, who do you think Kevin Nash votes for? A Democrat. Yeah, he's pretty absolutely. Uh, he's pretty uh if you want to hit a wrestling hero, he's pretty like straightforward with that stuff, with uh with with calling people out and uh being quite uh, quite black and white um in his politics on Twitter these days. He see tr- he sees Trump for the fucking worker that he is. <laughs> like he's just one like you can just tell he just sees him, he just goes, He's a bullshit merchant. Mm. And it takes one to know one, the big sexy, but he was always upfront about it. <laughs> I, I love the way we've just become a Kevin Nash podcast. We are. Well, <laughs> really have. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> we are talking about uh, doing a, uh, I think we're going to do it, aren't we, Kevin Nash Film Club? Um, that, that's that's yes. a plan we were just talking about with the, uh, the patrons in the pre-chat. Our Kevin Nash lovings just kind of continue because I, I feel like there's so many good possibilities there, you know. <sighs> From like his debut in Teenage Mutant uh, Ninja Turtles to a Super Shredder through to the uh, the Magic Mike films and some rando ones uh, you found on his IMDb as well, JP. Oh, yeah, Monster Brawl. Um, unfortunately, not his 
what appears to be indie road movie with Channing Tatum called Dog that's not out till next year, which I'm fascinated to see what that's like. Also, Super Force, um, quite an incredible t- uh, show that we spoke about in the pre-show. Hmm. Uh, a vigilante astronaut who learns his his cop brother's been murdered, so he gets himself a bike and starts taking people on. Yeah, and Kevin Nash appears in a couple of episodes of that, and I think I need to see that. Yeah, no good reason, no explanation, but I need. I think we all just need to see that generally. So, be having a look for that. Super Force, whatever that is, it's coming. National Spotlight, um, as Chris Wilson said there in the chat. And yeah, we yeah, got some. He's got some great entrance themes as well. So I feel like uh, that's right in itself. If not the uh, the Kevin Nash uh, deep dive that we will absolutely have to do at some point. Um, I, th- I think. With, I think with some of these films as well, given that he's probably own, only in a lot of them for like. 10 minutes or five minutes at a time. I think maybe we'll, we'll have to have our winner of the vote that we, uh, that we go into detail on, but mm. we can probably do a little, uh, we'll probably do a little montage, can't we? Montage of Kev or something like oh, that. Yeah. And uh, just, uh, just check out his little, uh, little five minute and 10 minute appearances in, in a few of these different things, because as you're reading out some of them things that I never heard of before, like, mm. like that last one there, I just need to see that. And I just need to see whatever is involved, <laughs> involved in that. And, and no, it's not going to be anything of any substance. So yeah, we just 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 need to whichever oh. episode it is, we just watch that one. Yeah, there we go. See, right in itself, the uh, the old Patreon content and the uh, the national oven will uh, continue. But yeah, that's coming up on the uh, on the Patreon. Mm-hmm. And I was going to mention as well before we get started, just uh, coming off our last Patreon bonus show, which was. Uh, Brits abroad. We uh, didn't get as many uh, angry replies as I thought. Of people going, "Oh, you didn't consider mm. that guy." But we got got a couple of uh, people coming back. But uh, that was a fun chat. That wasn't it. Talking uh, the uh, successes mm. or lack of success of uh, of Brits in uh, in both WWE and elsewhere. I didn't expect myself to become the uh, the big Drew McIntyre defender. But yeah, if you want to uh, hear that audio, you uh, you can over on the uh, on the Patreon. But yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. That wasn't it. Oh no, we need to bath as well Saturday morning. Gareth as well. I was going to say you had a few beers on Friday night before we did that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense now. It's all fitting together. <laughs> I was, was going to say it was it was one of them where I'd like sobered up and the next day like listening back to it I was thinking like right let's have a listen to this British Brit Rest uh, podcast let's see what we talked about because uh, <laughs> there was definitely uh, definitely very hazy in uh, early to middle point where I was uh, I think I sobered up as we went along I think I found my found my legs but uh, <laughs> but yeah as I listened to the start of that I was like yeah this definitely isn't me talking here this is, uh, this is, this is a bit of booze in here I'm uh, <laughs> rolling off too much but no no it was a good, it was a good episode there and like when you say about like been surprised about the i don't know some of the people that we that we didn't miss i think we fucking mentioned pretty much everyone didn't we i think when we like looked at the list we probably touched upon about like 50 different wrestlers and had an opinion on quite a few of them as well so like mm. it was uh yeah it was it was a pretty uh pretty for a thing and yeah it was it was good i enjoyed it again so another great uh another great suggestion from from joe on that one as the uh, mm. king king of the mountain there another another great suggestion that we've had there keep them coming Definitely, definitely. Any any regrets from you, JP? Anyone you think you, you wish you there you'd spent more time on? Did I talk you into uh, to being a Drew uh, McIntyre fan? Or I d- I don't I, I don't dislike him as much as Gareth does. I have to admit, mm. but um, I would like to have probably. I don't hate like, him. He's just shit. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a couple of. I was thinking like the one for me is actually Doug Williams mm. in some ways. I like to have spoken about more because I think mm. Doug Williams kind of influence being in early ring of honor, being in Noah um, 
and what that would have done in terms of opening doors and then having a successful run in TNA. In some ways, there's more detail about him. Hmm. Like, I think he's more of a, of a kind of interesting figure and a, probably more influential than we think. Hmm. He's still having his run. No, that's true. He's, back, he's, hmm. he's, he's, he's driven back into the square on his motorbike. <laughs> that's it. Still around. Him, Jody, Johnny. They're gonna. They're gonna be. They'll still be around in twenty years when all the, when all of this generation uh, gets signed, and the next generation, and the next generation. They'll they'll still be knocking about. But yeah, that was one, and I actually the, did the think. Fillers. Oh well, yeah, that's it. Yeah. The, the pillars of British wrestling. That's yeah. it. Them and uh, yeah, Andy Boy, or maybe not uh, these days. But yeah, like uh, one that I meant to reference that didn't really come up. The only one really we didn't really talk much about, like Martin Stone, that like Danny Burch getting a bit yeah. of a, getting a bit of a run. Uh, that is a, that is a surprise one. He's a weird one. He got in through the back door, didn't he? Like he kind of, you know, he. He was like NXT enhancement talent for a long time, and then he went back and mm. forth between being Danny Birch and Martin Stone on random NXT episodes before they finally took an interest in him and put him in that tag team and start used him on like that first WWE UK tournament. He's someone where you know, like we were saying about like Spud and some of the other characters from the early two thousands. It's like if you just explain that to like to Martin Stone in two thousand and three and gone, this is going to be your career. He'd probably go, yeah, thank you very much. I'll take that. Yeah. He's done really good once he's been given the opportunity in WWE. Mm. And I think he's in there in terms of a really good, solid role. Mm. It's funny because the only Brit rest promotions he worked is Rev Pro. So mm. the times I saw him was like a couple of times at, at York Hall, but also uh, at the cockpit. And I always enjoyed seeing him. And I remember speaking to him after one of the shows and just sort of going, are you just over? And basically he lives in Florida. He live, always lived in Florida for a long time. Mm. He's married out there. And so he's kind of like McGuinness in that way. Mm-hmm. where like a lot of the stuff that perhaps he would have been doing would have been happening in Florida and we wouldn't have seen it. It would have been like maybe small promotions around there. Whereas like the only times you'd see him are in Rev Pro, but he's done really well. Mm-hmm. He's always absolutely rock solid, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, so another name mentioned in there, Grado. Yeah, yeah that's one. That's a good. That's mm. a. That's a miss. That, but there we go. We knew there was one. <laughs> There's someone we didn't. Yeah. He's a weird one. That's the biggest mission. Like, he got over more on a UK basis, didn't he? Because like I'm not saying mm. there was this whole like argument on the UK fan forum once about whether Grado was really was a household name or not. And it's like maybe in Scotland, maybe in certain parts. You know, the fact that he does that, what's that BBC cop show he does um, and stuff? He's 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 a known commodity, I would say. You know, he was obviously the most mm. famous thing coming out of the ICW documentary that did well, well on the iPlayer. And yeah, he's someone who actually, unlike most others, like we were talking about, I think he broke through on a British level. Therefore, he got the TNA deal. And then, you know, it maybe was a bit lesser than because, you know, they couldn't use the Madonna song. So he had that whole period, didn't he? Yeah. Where he, tra- he kept tweeting Madonna, trying to get her to uh, to give him permission to use it on Impact because there's no way Impact are paying those rights, everybody. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know whether I'd say he's a, a successful Brit abroad, um, depending on, you know, it's like the Spud conversation, how much you, uh, you count success and Impact. It was it was always doomed never to work in Impact, mm. and he was though going to be the face of ITV World of Sport, and then that would have been an interesting kind of transition, or certainly one of them, wasn't he? Mm. So that was always going to be an inter- interesting transition again in another kind of thing. What happens if ITV World of Sport kicks on? Mm. Like, what do you get at that point? Does he like 
because at this point he does like his podcast mm. and like he does his, his acting and the rest of it. He's, he's effectively kind of retired. He might, I imagine he'll come back and do a few matches. Mm. But talk about making the best of what you got, though. Ultimately, mm. like mm. he was a guy who, my God, he bet on himself in that way that some of these guys do. And it absolutely worked. And he got himself his bookings and that entrance. Mm. Like when it kind of hit its zenith at that point against, it was, it was against Drew Galloway. Like mm. six thousand, wasn't it? Mm. At the S, was it at the Hydro? It would have been that. That was the one that was the largest. I think it was, yeah. The, the that impact show, mm. Mm. which yeah, it was you can say a draw there. Again, it's in Britain, as Chris yeah. says. There, the majority of his big appearances were in the UK. You know, can you say he's a big mm. breakout star? But then again, you know, if we, like it was like when we were, we were like jokingly having the Drew Osprey example. You know, you Garrett brought up the stats of how many you know, how many times over Drew is known just based on Google searches. I would say Grado is like known to American fans. I think they know who he is, type of thing. I think he's he's a he's a he's a name in as much as you can be a name as a Brit Res guy abroad. Is is he's got to be a bigger name than a lot of the, you know? If you think about all these guys who are more talented than him in ring, and then they've signed mm. up to the NXT UK, you know, mm. system, and then you just you, you know you look at someone like Grado, who is obviously you know he had that. Mm. stuff with uh, with impact and then he did some indie stuff over there as well didn't he with with, with cabana and things like that he's going to be more well known than guys who were fucking showing up on nxt uk and haven't been over there at all so you know on that, on, on that basis is is mm. you know that career path is definitely a bit bigger star than any of those guys i mean it's one of them when on reflection when you think about the level of people that we talked about in that episode mm. then yeah yeah he's not at that height but at the end of the day it's still a guy who went from a Scottish wrestling promotion and went and had, you know, an impact to, you know, impact wrestling TV appearances, mm. you know, it wasn't like it was a one-off shot either as well. You know, it was, it was involved in stuff as well. So, you know, to mm. be, to be fair to him is, is it was it, given some of the names that we did mention on that show, mm. he's probably someone who should have been referenced, you know, I think you know, alongside some of the ones we, some of the ones mm. that we maybe referenced at the end, I think mm. is definitely worth a shout. Never even crossed my mind to be honest. No, no, that's it. And we got so a little. Maybe shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that says it <laughs> in some ways. Um, but no, I think we covered the majority of the big names. Obviously, we got a Alistair uh, picked up where we left off in uh, in t- on uh, on Twitter talking about uh, um, Billy Robinson um, and kind of saying, you know, the, yeah. the, you know, we were obviously not really our period, but he was saying, you know, he had a yeah, he, he had the New Japan run which we referenced, but obviously uh, from people saying it wasn't the most interesting thing he did. It was more that you know he'd won titles in all Japan, AWA, Florida, Montreal. Uh, he's in the one thing we didn't really talk about, you know, he was in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, um, which is a place I'm pretty sure Osprey is going to be headed soon, um, and obviously mm-hmm. the only one in the uh, in that uh, that. Thago was a Fez Hall of Fame as well. So as far as like genuine success and influence, yeah. um, I think the the older heads than us, um, as as old as we are, would uh, would definitely shout loud for uh, for Billy Robinson. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those that I definitely wanted to reference on the show that that we did. But mm. equally, it's one of those where you know. I haven't seen it's mm. you know so you sort of you feel a bit uncomfortable mm. kind of, you know trying to mm. I don't know I feel uncomfortable trying to talk no, about totally. somebody in, in in that in that realm kind of thing definitely reference the um, the impact that they've made and the the 
sort of relevance to the industry. But yeah, mm. it's probably one of those where, you know, you'd love to be able to do as long about him probably as we did on the Bulldog or something oh, like that, because yeah. in terms of impact, is probably, you know, up there for my wrestling at that particular time period um, standpoint. Mm. But yeah, you just yeah, you just be coming across as a bit of a billy built bullshit trying to well, trying to do it like he knew it. Well, Alistair yeah. always, obviously knows better than us, but it's like the it's the same as the Regal conversation, isn't it? Anyone who wants to come in with mentions and go and say we were harsh about Regal, it's like, okay, name me your top five William Regal matches. Um, you're not got him. Name me your top five Billy Robinson matches. It's not happening. Um, but obviously, yeah, we know his, uh, you are. his historical uh, <laughs> significance. Yeah, put them in the comments if you've got them. Uh, let us know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that was, a, that was a fun chat. And yeah, you can uh, get that over uh, on the Patreon. Uh, JP, do you want to tell people what else has uh, been going on on the Patreon this uh, last week or so? Yes, we had our, um, apart from that, we also do our weekend preview show, which is a preview show, forgot to talk there, which is live to all of the Brit Rest is Dead tier members. We have our daily updates. Obviously, now we've got a bit of a back catalogue. So mm. um, we've got. Uh, a few shows to go back to on the deep cut, although the half cut suggestion that Gareth brought up is something I'm thinking, oh, that could work. <laughs> Serious topics discussed pissed was the, the open thought. That's right. <laughs> Just saying. As serious as possible. <laughs> the Jimmy Snooker murders. Ooh, not too pissed. St- <laughs> oh, oh. Dark side of the ring. I'm up <laughs> for it. Smoke. I'll throw it out there. Well up for this idea. <laughs> um, we have got some things obviously coming up as well. Uh, like I say, you mentioned about the Kevin Nash Film Club. Where obviously, we've got things like a Q&A coming up. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so we've got loads going on there. So patreon.com forward slash grapple. That's it, yeah. So yeah, as JP said there, XWF uh, look back coming th- coming up as well. We're going to be doing oh, yeah. our, uh, our hangout as well um, at the end of the month. Yeah, the date for that will be uh, will come. Mm. We're just uh, finalising uh, some details on that, our, our grappy hour, uh, where we'll uh, take the calls of our patrons. But yeah, you can check all that out. And yeah, the archives are going back a little bit now for patrons, but also you can get, if you want to go way back even further than that, the old uh, Indie Corner archive is, uh, is on there as well with me, uh, JP and Joe embarrassing ourselves in, uh, in 2007. And uh, just getting our our feet in uh, in the uh, in the podcasting game. Two thousand and seven. Yeah, that's when we started. This. Yeah, shocking it. It is. Yeah, <laughs> feels like it was longer years. ago than that. It does, doesn't it? Now at this point, it was January. To be fair, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, two thousand seventeen. Yeah, that's when I was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I'd have started the podcast in 2007, JP, it would have been it would have right. been bad. Like I sometimes I watch like people's podcasts or listen to people's podcasts too. Were like it's like when I used to podcast with Ollie on a BWA and he was like 1920, and I just think when I was 1920, there's no way I'd want anyone to hear any of my opinions. Like even even 2007, I would have been like 23. I still wouldn't want people to anyone. I would have said some apps. I say some shite now. I would have said some absolute shite back then. That's when I'll be like, I'll be on forums, but I'll be lurking on forums and just reading mm. what other people are saying. And I'd just be like too scared to put my own opinion out of there because you'd just be like shitting yourself of just getting ripped to pieces by these fucking aggressive assholes who, whether, whether they know more than you or not. Yeah. But now, 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 now we're in the last year of school. <laughs> oh, Do you know it was a terrible place for that? Fucking football manager forums oh, yeah. back in the day. You just ask guys, is there anyone got a download to put Harchester Rovers in from Dream Team? And he's got a ton of abuse. And he's like, oh, fuck United, you, boys. So Harchester <laughs> United, apologies. Yeah, um, but yeah, the uh, like, I'm livid about that. And the mm. abuse you got, and you're like, ah, oh, fuck off, you lot. 
not, mm. not having any of that bollocks. <laughs> I'd, 2007, I'd have just been like, Ring of Honor, best promotion in the world, discuss. Um, that would have been <laughs> my uh, my offer. Saying that, it's kind of similar to my offer now. I just talk about it like an Four. old man, like it's the good old days. So, you know. Six-part series on the robot arm. Stuff like that. <laughs> there you go. Get James on for that. But that's another point, actually. Yeah, Patreon. There might be uh, might be some Ring of Honor uh, retro coming soon. Uh, content coming soon as well. Our uh, our live listeners and me and we talk about that in the uh, in the pre-show too. So yeah, plenty for uh, people to get into. And one thing I do want to mention as well. I keep forgetting to mention it, but if you are a patron, um, there is if you go onto your your main profile page, you can get yourself a personal RSS feed as well that you can put into any podcast app, so you don't have to load up Patreon every time to uh, play or download an episode. I think most people know that that utility is there but i don't think uh, from a couple of comments or so i don't think everybody does know that so yeah get that too there's another uh another bonus there and yeah as, uh, as dylan said there in the chat yeah maybe we'll do that uh, that deep cut on dream team um at some point too there you go that could be we'll find the wrestling tie into that somehow we'll get there I want JP to find that actually because I've been for a number of years I've been trying to um, get a decent decent copies of Dream Team to go back and watch it all again okay. and like Alex is of an age there where I think yeah he'd, he'd enjoy a bit of Dream Team but I can't believe I, it's it's a constant source of frustration for me that like on your Sky Planner you can't just go on and watch Dream Team on demand like what the fuck are they playing at everyone will be watching it <laughs> yeah greatest show ever <laughs> I'd start on that I still I think I was banging on to. Um when I was on Arn and Eddie on there on the Arn and Eddie experience talking about out Arsenal I was talking about because he had a Eddie had a hard chest United top on that he bought and it was just like fucking great but yeah that uh, there was a young lad who I was this lad who declared for the Republic of Ireland Mick, McCar- Mick McCarthy guested an episode and convinced him to declare for the Republic of Ireland rather than play for England under 21s <laughs> loved that <laughs> obviously the Declan Rice Jack Grealish stuff came afterwards, which is a again a horrific footballing sliding doors. If those two are playing for us, I think it's a slightly different state of affairs currently. I, I just remember the British tabloids being as shit as ever and um, picking up in their rumours pages that both Liverpool and Arsenal were in for Didier Baptiste, who was oh, yes. it was actually a Harchester United defender. So clearly they'd been fucking um, strung a yarn there by somebody, somebody. But yeah, just going with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do do some research to find out who this Didier Baptiste character is. Nah. Just <laughs> Some French guy who Liverpool and Arsenal clearly are interested in because of Arsene Wenger and Gerard Houllier. Let's uh, let's 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 run with the Didier Baptiste story. <laughs> Back when rumours were rumours. Yeah. French lad, Arsenal are going in. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, you don't get you don't get those terrible uh, standards of journalism in uh, in wrestling, do you? You know we've got a well much better than that. Um, no, we're not. <laughs> Anyone hasn't checked out Brian Elliott's piece, by the way, on uh, on journalism in wrestling? Fuck me, is that a, is that a worthy read? I believe he uh, he got some heat after yep. it as well from uh, some of all our favourite Mark journos. But yeah, like it, it's it's well well worth um, watching. Um, it's a Substack, isn't it, JP? Where you get a um, uh, reading yep. Sally Brian Elliott's um, newsletter. Ripping on wrestling, mm. I believe it's called. Mm. Uh, absolutely brilliant read. Mm. I mean, the photo mm. at the end is a great mic drop moment <laughs> as well for that. Yeah, which does prove the point. It's it's the problem of a of a kind of co opted, like how it's covered is co opted because you won't hear anything otherwise. Mm. It has to be, and it's not like it's kind of necessarily done with like with sources and and the rest of it, which. I mean, it's 
it's really difficult because it's it's generally on the whole not covered kind of properly and the real no. proper questions things like sound what happened at the plane in saudi arabia and stuff like that are never kind of brought up like any real serious issues you're relying on basically for the most part like people like us who are willing like you we don't have any kind of vested interest in it but if you mm-hmm. want the access you want to get on the bt bus this is how it works and it's there are levels of journalism obviously mm-hmm. and there are journalists who do different things i mean god I did a roundtable on 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 this and on mm. the media, and it's a, it's a massive problem within wrestling because I think it overall affects the credibility of wrestling that it's not covered properly. I think UFC gets more respectability because of the way Ariel Helwani covered it mm. as a sport and that line that was there, and he wasn't afraid to break stories and say mm. like kind of effectively like kind of speak truth to power. And he's ended up on the outs with them, mm. but he still covers it. Mm. Like there isn't anything to be got like because you just kind of want to say to them they're not going to hire you. Mm. Or if you do, you're going to be deeply miserable, and you're not going to. Be, it's not. It's not this childhood dream that you think this is. Mm. It's like you do this properly. Try and do like, and not enough people do. Yeah, that's it. Um, how much is Cauliflower paying you, JP? <laughs> that is a Mate, question. Pay whatever he wants. Yeah, <laughs> definitely do that. No, it's like I've, I've, heard, I've heard Sean Ross Sapp talk about this, and it's like you know, he was joking, like you know, I don't get him. He doesn't get invited to like you know the, the presses and stuff because WWE know that if he gets in there, he's gonna start. He's gonna make friends with some wrestlers, and then he's gonna have sources for news stories. You know, there's there's uh, mm-hmm. there's something uh, there's something to that, and like I think. Brian made a good point that, like, yeah, if you if you see someone who's who's you know doing that stuff or like you know the big thing last week and I had the, the same reaction of Brian was you know a couple of uh, our, our UK journalists uh, being all being being all proud that they uh, they appeared on NXT UK TV, you know, like uh, they were in a they they done interviews with uh, with uh, with Will's uh, favorite tag team there and they were all made all made up that the that them and uh, Pretty Deadly had shown on screen at NXT UK and it was just like. Jesus, lads, like, get better dreams. It's like, if, that's, if your dream is to appear on NXT UK and throw away your your journalistic integrity to, to, to mark out at the fact that you appeared on mm. NXT UK, then fuck me, get some, get some better dreams. And that's the thing. I think you've got to be anyone who gets that level of access or gets to appear on, on WWE TV or, you know, even on the AEW side, you know, the people who get chosen for, mm. like, you know, every time they do those, uh, those address is where like Conrad and Bischoff and that turn up and you always get like a, yeah. a couple of journalists who pop up there as well um, and that's you know even the Impact biggest Impact did it yeah Impact too yeah um, you know the people who get led on TV they're probably the people you should uh, be asking questions about because yeah there's clearly mm. a reason that uh, the WWE are friendly towards those people and, and not friendly um, to other journalists who are actually you know doing good journalism and are actually digging into stories like you said there JP you know the Saudi Arabia story that the, the likes of Ryan Satin just pretended didn't happen um, or at least you mm. know didn't uh, didn't dig as, uh, as hard as he could and didn't reference it when he was uh, doing some yeah. uh, doing media work that allegedly wasn't WWE sponsored um it is. It's a real problem. Like, and it's because because wrestling's such a, I don't know. It is a fan media space, isn't it? We're all doing it for for a laugh. We're doing it for a laugh, even at our lower level. Um, mm. That stuff, type of stuff, is going to bleed in. It is, but it's an entertainment industry. I mean, this magazine's like the stage for theatre. Mm. There are like kind of for every other section of entertainment there's like a point where there's like a sort of serious discourse and serious questions that might be asked about certain things. I mean, and this goes through to things like I don't know 
musical theatre and, and the rest of it. Mm. So, like, why shouldn't wrestling have it, given mm. the numbers that it does and, and that it attracts the idea that somehow it it shouldn't be covered seriously is is something that's, like, incredibly... Like we mentioned a, a, a terrible article that appeared on like Deadspin that was like the worst type of clickbait bullshit. Mm. Like that sort of stuff just makes wrestling look bad ultimately because it it it, it kind of makes it look like it, it looks like it's just it looks like uh, puff pieces, mm. like paid adverts you'd see in a newspaper. Mm. And then really look at the top corner and it says this is an advertisement, and you're like, mm. oh fuck! Like and it, that's how it feels a lot of the time. The idea mm. is to get you to watch that product rather than actually covering it, mm. which then comes down to what's the people who actually want them who write these stories. What do they actually want them to say? What are they saying in terms of the, want the cover? They just want to recap it. Mm. Is that kind of it? I mean, we've never called ourselves journalists at any point in all of this. I think the fanciest title is possibly critic, mm. but like I think even beyond that, it's kind of like podcasting. But <laughs> like these are people ultimately who are like trained journalists. This, I imagine for the most part, you know, mm. possibly members of the NUJ, mm. and it's like the, the the quality and the output we get. There's no serious level of thought, and I always think that the ones who do, i.e., Will Cooling, the absolute pelters they get when they do it mm. is they they might look at that and the reason, like, oh, I don't want to do that. It's like, well, you're in the wrong business. You need to get a thicker skin mm. if that's the case. If you want to cover this and cover it seriously. And it's part of the reason why WWE is so bad is because for so long they've just surrounded themselves by this internal groupthink of, you know, this is, you know, this is good. This is the way it is. We've got to, you know, don't question, you know, don't question the voice from above. You know, everything, everything is, you know, everything is good. Everything appeals to this one man. And then you've just got, then you're surrounding yourself with this ring of journalists who also say nothing is bad and everything's great. And, you know, from the, you know, there's a reason why, you know, businesses, real businesses and things do research and try and find out things that are bad about their products and services and things like that, because they want to actually invest in improving them and make them more popular to people. Whereas everything's just so internalized with, WWE that they just want to um, pat everybody on the back internally and say everything's everything's great. They've got no opposition or criticism or critique coming from the outside because they don't listen to it. Even going back to Nick Khan talking on that um, podcast that we listened to him the other week, where he was saying about, "Oh yeah, don't listen to Twitter. We listen to, you know, we listen to our fans in other ways. You know, you know, it's 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 almost like they're just sticking their fingers in their ears and just la la la, you know, to to, to any criticism or any critique that's that, that's coming internally and consequently." You know, how the hell are they going to improve on things and, you know, make their product better if all they're just hearing constantly is, aren't we great? You know, we're so, we're, we're so good. And again, yeah, every time I sort of like break down into one of those things like that, I mean, my, my end feeling is, oh, well, good, because, yeah, I, I want them to end up in the fucking bin. So, yeah, you just keep <laughs> listening to yourselves and keep watching that share price fall and keep watching those TV ratings fall. And eventually down the line, those TV deals and things like that won't come in uh, either as well. So they'll end up uh, end up shitting their bed on that one. And uh, I can't wait for that to happen either. 
Totally, totally. And yeah, you know, again, another uh, another link for uh, for Brian. That definitely do um, check that out and give it a give it a riffing on wrestling. Love riffing on wrestling. Dot substack dot com. Um, he puts the the argument really well. Um, you know, there's a there's a yeah. tweet in there that he links to where it's you know uh, from uh, the, the 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 journalist I mentioned earlier. And yeah, just generally just uh, driving home that point of you know the, I don't know the lack of ethics I think we've got in in journalism in the UK. Mm. There's like a there's a tweet in there that like from someone kind of saying yeah if you're a if you're an aspiring journalist and you get on those media calls with triple h and you're not asking about matt riddle you're not asking about velveteen jim you get on a conference call with, with AEW, and i'm not i don't expect everybody to ask but and nobody asks about justin roberts like that's where you know you've got a problem um and that's where yeah there is a there's mm. something rotten i think at the core of this uh this brand of uh of, uh, as i coined uh, mark journalism um that's happened uh it seems to have happened these last uh, couple of years but yeah it goes back further than that as well doesn't it? Like you said jp there's a uh, you know some of the bigger names you know have uh have got their their blind spots as well uh, when it comes to uh to big companies too but yeah um i suppose uh on that note and yeah talking about uh negativity and uh in criticism we should uh and the, the value of that we should talk some AW blood and gut, shouldn't we? Um, <laughs> great, wasn't it, lads? Perfect. So, what, what more could you want? What a great show! Um, no, I think amazing. We're... <laughs> I've been Love dying to talk this. I've yeah, been good night. <laughs> dying to talk about this one since uh <laughs> since thursday morning um i'm a lot like, I, I feel i feel a bit more like like zen about it now um but yeah some of the uh i don't know even from some of the bigger names like the, the even the melters of the world peddles some absolute bullshit i thought on thursday um and there's some shag coming out of uh the mouths of uh, a lot of uh of our uh homegrown talking heads of uh youtubers and the like uh coming out of this blood and guts that uh that set my blood and guts boiling a little bit after uh, after Wednesday night but <laughs> I've been waiting for this I've been waiting to talk this and talk this big show and uh, get you guys opinion I think there is only one place to start and it it is that main event uh, from AEW last Wednesday and the, uh, yeah the blood and goods match itself uh, war games enjoy it lads have a good time it was a. Uh, <laughs> <I've>, uh, <laughs> how are we all feeling about it afterwards? Uh, uh, it wasn't perfect. It was is probably what I want to say. Um, I mean, I'll go if you want me to. But <laughs> I don't mind. I kind of want to hear this, Benno, because obviously I was avoiding yeah. spoilers for days, and like I've, I've literally only just ended up watching the Blood and Guts match this morning. Oh, so right. you've been dropping these little hints about. Twitter going wild and you getting in confrontations and things so I was a bit like oh I can't wait for for this so <laughs> so much though that I started to scroll down your uh, Twitter feed today and I, I was getting to a bit and I was like no I was like I want the I want the full I want the full Benno tirade tonight I want to hear this li- like I want to hear this live so um well, yeah go on it's a good like it you know to that journalism ethics competition um talk from from Brian there I think it's a good con- comparison point to that cuz that's the thing if if ever if everything's good nothing's good and if ever everything's mm. bad you know nothing's bad like that's just that's just journalism i think and that's just giving opinion like like you said jp we're not journalists here we're just i think we're just people giving takes i suppose uh critics maybe to a to a point we are we are what we are but yeah i mean that's the thing about it like i, I think maybe maybe people would expect me to say i hated that main event i didn't you know i gave it three and a half on grapple 
And the reason I think I feel so strongly about some aspects of the match is because of how much I loved other aspects of that match um, mm-hmm. on Wednesday night. Like, I absolutely, like, loved the first half of it, you know, when it comes to, you know, it felt like war games. It was bloody. It felt well-timed. It was felt like there was a real kind there was a scrappiness to it that really worked you know what it didn't feel perfect it didn't feel orchestrated it felt like two teams that wanted to kill each other in a war games cage that's what this is that's why it's called blood mm-hmm. and guts that's that's what this is and i absolutely you know i don't think it should get lost in the conversation i love the first half of that match i think i probably would have given the first half of that match something a- approaching five stars if it had carried on in that vein um but yeah where 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 it really went wrong for me this match was uh, i think for me it's as soon as i mean you probably say it's as early as when they did that you know that wwe standoff spot i hate that like i i just don't i think i think the thing about aw is i want them to be do things differently than than what wwe do and as soon as you do a spot like that i'm like okay here we go yeah let's 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 orchestrate five people in one ring five people in another and we'll act like it's avengers versus whoever and it'll be it'll be a big memorable spot and like that was like mm, don't love that but still into the match but where they lost me where they completely lost me and where it all kind of it's kind of quieted down a bit now but where it kind of kicked off over the last week was kind of the discourse surrounding everything that happened from the moment they left the cage and i just i mean i i got some like some people pushing back on this like you know i i would say match one you're trying to establish this new match in AEW, this blood and guts. You don't leave the cage in match one. And I know the counterpoint's going to be, well, they, they, they left the cage at the, you know, in Hell in a Cell 1. Okay, we can get into the reasons why that is very different to what this led to. Um, but also, it doesn't necessarily mean that's another pet peeve of mine. Just because it happened in the past doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Uh, I think people forget the fact that there were people like us in 1997 critiquing even things as well regarded as, you know, the, the Hell in a Cell matches. Um, but yeah, they lost me then. Like, as soon as they, they left the cage, I was like, okay, I know where this is going. We're going, we're going we're going to be doing something silly and that's where it went you know from jericho you know taking his time to go up the cage waiting for his cue from the uh, the tv cameras to say that we were we were back from break up to when he got up there and then yeah that finish i'm sorry like I, it's not it just wasn't what i wanted from a blood and guts match i wanted blood and guts i wanted serious violence i wanted simulated serious violence but i wanted something akin to what we kind of picture our heads when it comes to war games and it was just yeah they just it felt orchestrated and fake the whole oh i'm gonna throw jericho off the cage and if i don't you know if you don't quit he's gonna die type of thing and it turned into like a weird action movie slash angle and then after that obviously uh when when they gave up and they throw jericho off the cage onto the most padded looking pile of boxes and somebody's bed basically um set up outside where he got his nice yeah. cushion fall onto um that's where like i don't even know if you've seen it since Gareth, where the online discourse got crazy because it went from people going yeah that was a bad spot that maybe they could have shot it better maybe the maybe they could have used the the further away camera maybe you know people like me were saying maybe they could have just not done it you know maybe, maybe there's that too but like you know it went from people giving genuine critique like that to 
even the melters of the world like rolling out well what did you want did you want jericho to die did you want him to land on concrete and it was like no i just wanted the spot to look good or again crazy idea just don't do it if you can't do it this is like one of yeah. the one of the things I learned first in I, I don't like you know, wrestling training. If you can't do something well, don't do it. I couldn't do a drop kick well, so I didn't do drop kicks. Like if you can't shoot this and make it look real or look good, don't do it. Like that that's mm. it's as simple as that, really. And yeah, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. Not just because it looked fake, because it did, but you know, we're trying to get over the fact that MJF's like this killer and you get a moment like that where it looks as fake as it does and it's orchestrated as much as it was and it's it's so separated from the violence that took place within the cage i don't take it seriously and i don't invest and i don't think it it actually helps mjf in the end so that was more my problem with it it was that it was just like i it felt in a lot of ways very wwe to be like well we got this big match we need this big moment did you did you did you need a big crash pad bump? Is that your big moment to sell the, the violence of this match? Could like I don't know MJF not threaten to take Jericho's eye out? Could they not have done something more creative with like a fucking wrench or something or like some kind of like more you know like a less explosive but like more you know I don't know intricate kind of or creative way of finishing the match? Or again, you don't have to do it all. Someone can just submit and you can do your angle after the match. Like for me, it just. The reason I feel so strongly about it is that I loved the first half of the match. It was everything I wanted. And then the last 10 minutes for me were just, it was WWE bullshit. And yeah, anyone says, oh, well, all you wanted was uh, Jericho to land on his head in the concrete. It's like, no, I just wanted something good. And I feel like, and we can talk about this as a bigger issue. This is another moment, I think, where AW of the build has been fucking great. And then the payoff has let us down. And to me, I felt let, let down by it, so. I don't know where you guys are. I feel pretty similar to that, actually. I've got, I, I agree. I think the moment the cage door closed and Jericho was in there, the whole thing became an absolute fucking mess. Like, and it was kind of, don't get me wrong, there's a mess beforehand, and I agree. I, I was loving some of that first half stuff. And I know there was a bit, Sammy Guevara looked like he could have really hurt himself when he kind of jumped off between it. But there was some great stuff, particularly with him and Dax Harwood at the start. I just thought that was absolutely tremendous. The thing is, they spent all of the build. Anyone who mentions Hell in the Cell, what was they building up to? What were they talking about? They were talking about war games. The war games matches they're referencing, those kind of run from the late 80s to the early 90s. The reason I had the roof on is that no one left. Mm. The person who got on the roof famously is Medusa to drop in poorly Dangerously's phone mm. into the match. It wasn't about wrestlers going up there. I suspect part of their thinking is we want a visual of MJF's face blood screaming about how he's won war games. One blood and guts. He could have done that afterwards. Could have climbed up. The moment, like, the, at that point, it became an absolute mess. There was a long period of time where they were, like, ripping up the ring and it just sort of fell, fell to a kind of, like, standstill mm. around that point. And then it felt weird, like Wardlow was the one who was being like kind of taken out by loads of them. You're like, well, I don't get the dynamic now of this. Mm-hmm. I was like kind of lost at those points. Um, the standard formula that they followed of war games matches, because I still don't really like saying blood and guts, but war war games matches of face goes in there, like you get the two and one on advantage and stuff like they did that stuff, and it was great, and everyone got to shine up to that point. And in the moment Jericho came in, like like I said earlier on, but once they went outside the cage, 
you didn't see anything that happened in it because the entire focus was what was happening on top of the cage. Everyone just so there's, there's this whole match, Yeah. There's this whole match going on that they're ignoring. Mm. And, 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 and theoretically, any of them could quit at any time. You're like, no, they're up here because they're, they're going to do a big spot. And I'd read this, and I, in my immediate thought was, you fucked another stip match. Mm. You fucked another one that you've gone and promoted and you've gotten too fucking clever by half or you've just tried to kind of cut a corner around it. And it's like, you can't do that. Mm. You bullshit on this stuff. Next time you promote this for a pay-per-view and people don't buy into it, it's like, well, don't be surprised because you have to actually deliver. And for this, to deliver it is pretty straightforward. Mm. How about having Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho being in some sort of fucking submission move, bleeding from the face, passing out and the rest of it. And I wouldn't have liked it if Sammy said quit then, but if you're so determined to have that kind of a finish, then have that. Mm. Yeah. Not rocket science. Mm. There's a load of people who could have submitted. It would have been entirely credible, completely needless. You would have had the same impact by the end. You Then, if you really wanted to do it, you then go up to the top of the cage with Jericho once you know. I don't know how you fucking manage that, but let's just say you theoretically do it. And also, one point, when he was going up onto the cage, Jericho, he kind of took his time. Why? Because they were in an ad break. I hated that. Like, talk about, talk, talk about suspension of disbelief at mm. that stage. Like, I... I like, and we have said on this show, like we we really enjoy AEW. We've called ourselves AEW homers, and the rest of it. This was this was bollocks, um, and it's like the stuff with the with like uh, the last spot was terrible. But the idea of like, what else are they going to do? I'm completely with you. It's like, well, you don't do it. Mm. Like, there's no logical sense. It's a bullshit strawman argument because you don't want to admit that they fucked up and they did this badly. And all of the drama and that's for the match completely went out the window for me. I think, and I'm not even sure I put my rating in yet, it's like three stars. And I knew the results. I was doing the Thursday morning update and I didn't watch this match until yesterday because I was like, I felt like the same way I did after after the Kenny Omega, uh, the exploding match with Moxley. I was like, I don't want to watch this now because I know that you fucked up and whatever investment I've got in this match I'm going to be like annoyed by the end of it. So going back and watching it, knowing what happens at the end, I was annoyed at myself for liking the first half. And it made you think, how did you fuck this? I was watching this go, how did you fuck this up? This is great. Mm. Like, what are you, why are you doing this? But anyway, Gareth, your thoughts. <laughs> well, surprise, surprise. Um, I've got very similar thoughts to you too. So there's probably plenty that I don't need to dwell on there. I think, you know, Similar to you, I was absolutely loving it at first. And like, I'd, I'd while I'd managed to avoid spoilers and things like that, obviously, we'd just been on the app. I'd seen the ratings on the app, and they were lower than I was kind of like hoping for or was, you know, anticipating, you know, last week with how excited I was and couldn't wait to, you know, couldn't wait for this match to come around. And then, so I was thinking, oh, what fucking, what goes wrong here? And then obviously, Benno had alluded to a few things without sort of giving the game away on anything. <laughs> on anything. But at that point, I was thinking, how can this go bad? Because, like, all the stuff early on with, like, like I thought FTR were fantastic early in, yeah. in this. Them and Ortiz and Santana and uh, and Sammy, all that was absolutely great. And that was the best FTR have, uh, have looked. And, you know, even the, the, the starting of the match with, with Sammy and... Which one is it? Dax. Um, them two. Oh God! The way they started the match, it was like it was on fire instantly, and it, mm. it, it was it was feeling like, like a proper war games match. I think I lost it earlier than you two. Like mm. I've, you know, in my notes here, I've got like around about the 
sort of when it got to about four on three, I know Wardlow came in slow, and that was sort of part of mm. there was a reason behind that, obviously, the way it was, from a presentation point of view. But I just thought the match had just started to fall to bits a bit at that point, and there was a lot of wandering about and people not quite sure what they were to be doing. There was just a lot of people lying around, people just walking around and things. And then I was starting to think, God, this is dragging a bit, and there's not much happening here, kind of thing. And then I was, so then I was waiting, oh, you know, can't wait for MGF and Jericho to get in here. They're clearly just pacing this to then get the, you know, the uplift when, you know, the the, the two last guys come in. Just it's almost like they're bringing it down to bring it back up, kind of, you know, towards the end. But, he, he, you know, from the point that Jericho was was in the ring, I, f- I felt like it even got even more slower and a bit even more dull and just a lot more kind of wandering about. And, you know, it wasn't just Jericho climbing up the outside of the cage where there was those time cues and things. There was, there was visibly a point where he was just stood in the middle of the ring and he was just leaning to the side of the cage, just talking to um, Aubrey, the referee, just clearly he was just working out time cues with her or something like yeah, that. And I was yeah. thinking, what the fuck's going on? You're right in the middle of a war games match here and you, you stood at the cage. And, and I'll tell you what else in the match as well that uh, bugged me. There was too much pandering to the outside. Mm. There was too much do a big move and then like, where's the hard calm and then do a pose or do a. I was thinking, you're in there. There's fucking five guys behind you who are like bleeding all over the spot and killing you. You shouldn't, you know, that, that was a side of, to me, that was like, that just felt like WWE style, work the crowd, work the camera. No, you're in a fucking war. You're in a battle here with, you know, that is blood and guts and there, there literally is blood and guts everywhere. I mean, that end spot, I mean, I'm totally the same as you, Benno. I mean, for, for me, it was just like, why do it? Like, yeah. if, you, if you can't, or, or if you absolutely have to do this i know people have said oh different camera angle and things like that to to me it would have been watch him go and then that's the end of the show like don't even show him at the ground or anything like leave that suspense you know if you know that it's going to look a bit shit because it's a fucking mattress and some you know cardboard corrugated iron or whatever you know that's (laughs) that's on there just don't even show that you don't have to show jericho lying on the floor you've seen him go flying off the top of the cage you know what the consequences are we don't actually have to see him lying there and sometimes what you don't see leave it to the imagination leave people to think about like fuck what happened to jericho and then when they have done separate edits and things like that they could have edited something to look a bit better, like he could, you know, to show on Dynamite the following week. He's, you know, he's Jericho on the floor kind of thing, and it'd be the actual floor and not in the middle of a, a mattress. They could have, you know, recut something if 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 that was the end of they wanted to do. But it just felt out of fitting with the start of the match and the way the match was promoted there, where you're talking about different endings, like. MGF with the ring, I was thinking, just pound him in the face. Just mm. keep pounding him in the face with that ring. Like, mm. that, that's a gimmick that you've got over as hitting people with. You could have had Sammy Guevara getting held in front of him as Jericho just gets beaten in the eye with this ring and bloodied up. And then, you know, like, if he's going to submit to that, if he's going to give in because you might throw his mate off a cage, well, it's fairly credible that you're going to give in because you're pounding is you know your mate's eye out or whatever yeah, kind of trying to break his let's leg totally right there guts. you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know let's let's make let's make the fucking yeah you know let's make it a bit more of a blood and guts ending and it just yeah just left a left our taste really in, in in my mouth and it was the same as what you say there is with that last pay-per-view with the fuck finished mm. with them explosions and things there now this 
I'm, there was another one before this, and I'm struggling off off memory to to, to remember what it was. But there was another big finish that didn't um, that didn't work out too well. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's, it chips away at your trust, mm. and I think that's the that's the we've seen with New Japan in the last year. They've chipped away and chipped away at your trust, and then I think you know we've said before in the past you can get away with one if if at the end of that um, at, at the end of that exploding ring match. If everything went fine for AW for six months, mm. people forget about that and they can't that the, the, any trust issue is gone. But when it's like that big match and then the next big match and they both leave like a sour taste in their mouth, you start to think. Mm, and then when the next time they're promoting something, they've got to get it right because if they don't get that, then you're going to start to be like, all right, well this is all good up until a point, but we know when it comes to the big moment they can't deliver, and then mm-hmm. that's you know that's when buy rates start to fall or people start investing in your stories a bit less because they don't think that you can pay it off at the end and things and it's a it's a it's a fine line and a, and a slippery slope because they get so much right you know for us to be yeah. this critical who's who's as big a fan boy of aw than us we're 95 yeah. positive aren't we you, you know mm. we, we we look forward to talking to them about them every week but um but yeah that you know that was another one where it, it left me thinking here we go. They've got to talk themselves out of the hole again, you know, in in, in the way this goes for, goes from here. Disappointing. Well, the good thing is they got people doing it for them. Um, is the thing, you know, people making straw man arguments like JP said about. Well, you thought it was bad when Matt Hardy nearly dies. So, yeah, that was bad too. Like, yeah, they shouldn't have done that either. Like, you know, <laughs> two things can be bad. Um, but yeah, I think the bigger the bigger Man. issue. It is it is mentalists out there who just don't want to hear criticism, which does link to you know that journalism discussion. But as Sean said there in the chat, I think that's I I, I do think they maybe they're they overthink it. And like it's like, okay, it's a big match. Therefore we are we need to have and I can feel the uh, the Holy Ghost of uh, of Joe Lemon and me here. They need a big moment. They need a moment and the moment that they came up with us and I bet you it was Jericho's own idea. Is, yeah, we have like this big big stunt at the end of it because people like big stunts in matches and you know to allude to my, my point earlier on, you know, the reason the reason the hell hell in a cell is not the counterpoint to this is well, Shawn Michaels took a fucking gnarly looking bump off the side of the cage. Mick Foley took a bump off the top of the cage that I would not recommend another human ever take. But that's you know your justification for why the negative of breaking the step in the first match. You know, like you said, JP, the cage is supposed to be this impenetrable fortress that you can't get in or out of. They got away with it in those two cases because we had two genuinely memorable big moments. Out of it now do we remember much else from hell and hell and hell history since then no and part of it might be the fact that yeah they undercut the uh the step very very early on um when it came to that but you know that's a reason why that you know that doesn't hold any water for me either and yeah it is it's it's that pattern like i i don't know yeah we're not saying the sky is falling right now i think you know that's the thing it's a cumulative thing but there have been a lot of occasions where in fact it's probably easier to say you know how many occasions has the payoff gone well for aw how many times have we we all love the ride and then we've gone oh what a great payoff it was to that i can't struggle to, for one to come to mind now maybe maybe moxley kenny even though i didn't you know the death match you know the the, the original you know death match did but i didn't mm. even particularly love that either um yeah, yeah I, it is a bit of a problem really isn't it we're all enjoying the journey and then yeah it's the uh, the payoff trophy they're getting too cute 
they're overthinking it mm. and it's like they're looking at what is the normal it's like the idea of well we could deliver what people kind of expect this match to be mm. in other words it's an old school match everyone's pretty much going to be bleeding and then we'll do something where you'll have a sort of Larry Zabisco type finish where mm. you know somebody gets hit in the arm by beautiful Bobby and whatever and then he ends up tapping out to Sting and you go yeah and sometimes you deliver that finish and that type of finish in a match like this because that works and it keeps the credibility of the gimmick mm. and they're getting too cute. And I think it's the point where they're just not doing what is the simple, sensible option. The problem with the the previous month with the exploding death matches is like, did you not test this out beforehand? And it turns out, no, no, they didn't. Mm. And you think, well, that's just like, this is entirely self-inflicted as well. This isn't like some sort of injury happens that kind of ruins a match. Like, I mean, I saw that happen in one of the Dragon Gate matches. Like that sort of stuff is kind of like, you know, it's it, it's a it's an accident and it happens. This is really self-imposed. And this one in particular is like, you booked it this way. Mm. And then you built basically the beds that I would have perhaps done a, an elbow while trying to cl- jump my nan's fucking wardrobe. Onto <laughs> it was a rock We've all been as there. Well, where, my, where my brother was. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then I'm not expecting that on a fucking show to try and draw over 1.2 million viewers though. Mm. Like when we're doing that shit as kids and that's the kind of finish they give you here. And then I, I hate like all the stuff where they were staying around afterwards as well. I think that, like Gareth said, you should just send it. That made it so much worse. Mm. Just like so much worse seeing it dragged out because it got you to think about it for like longer. And you're like, I really didn't like that. Yeah. And they've just, they've just gotten too cute. And this is where you, they don't know if they don't know the ending of when they're going to get to with these things and mm. what is where they're going to go next with this and transition it, then you, is it worthwhile you doing it? Mm-hmm. You can't play up war games history and then do a finish that really isn't war games, but it's just WWE or something that's WCW with the fucking three cage deal and all the rest of it. It's, it's just like kind of a gimmick cage match. Whereas you were, they were trying to build this as something more like real blood feud stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, do, and do you know what? I don't even think it's, like the act itself, if they were clearly trying to get MJF over as this absolute mm. heinous individual, like real, you know, pure evil. I, I don't even think the pushing someone off a cage in this day and age to, mm. you know, the level of, of, of fall is that evil? Like, no. or, or that bad? I don't, I don't think it's sort of like, I don't think it's the sort of thing that his teammates should have been that concerned about that they were you know, contemplating mm. giving away this whole match that's been built on all this hatred for so long. Like, mm. you know, it's, 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 it's not like it's like, Oh my God, that's absolutely mind blowing. It's going to kill him. How many times have we seen people coming off the top of cages or off the top of massive ladders and things like that? Yeah, it's true. just an, it's an accepted part of wrestling these days that people can and do take those bumps. So mm. the mere idea that you just shove someone off, doesn't make you the most evil guy in the world. I think, you know, the the, the more evil is is the brutal attack where you're abs- you know, you're 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 pounding and pounding on someone, or you're mm-hmm. you know you're doing something in a submission or something like that that is, you know, whatever you use an additional weapon that's breaking their leg or whatever. You know, you yeah. know that is more evil. That gets it. That gets MJF over as a stronger 
more horrible heel than than just shoving him off off there. I mean, mm. I, I just think it's personally. I just think it was a pure Jericho thing when you were saying there about like whose like whose idea was this. I, I've I've just got that. I've, as soon as it happened, I had that memory in my head of when he he did like a crossbody off the top of the cage, didn't he, a few years ago on Raw against um, Bray Wyatt and. He never shut up about it for about two years. <laughs> like, oh, I'm this age and my back's knackered and no, oh, and I did it, you know, but I still managed to do a high cross body off the top of the cage. And he's, you know, he's clearly there. Oh, I'm, I'm going to take this bump. You know, it's the first blood and guts. Like, this is going to go down in AEW history. I want to be seen there as this history maker taking this huge, you know, huge dive. You, you know, you wait and see on his podcast or on interviews and things like that you know he'll be ignoring the the negativity around that it's going to be all about him and how he you know took that fall from the top of the cage and things mm. and it's you know it's there's that element of like selfishness bleeding you know bleeding mm. bleeding into it there but um yeah i mean disappointing you know especially disappointing because of the way that it started and i think i i said last week on the show all i want is blood and guts if it's presented as being blood and guts there's got to be blood and guts mm-hmm. and to a point there was plenty of fucking blood and guts there was crimson masks all over the place and i was mm-hmm. i was loving every 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 moment of that the visual of mgf with the blood on his face at the end yeah. was great it did look great you know and and it's just it's just such a shame that they just had to you know, fuck it, fuck it up in, in in that way. Like I said, mm. I've even took the took the fall off the top of the cage. If if you didn't have to just sit, the more you stared at Jericho lying there in amongst mm. all that, just the worse it got. The more you sort yeah. of like started to notice, oh, that's just a bit of cardboard there, and no, oh, no, that you know, and things. You started to like analyze the where he yeah. was lying and how he was lying and things a bit more, and you know, that's that that's when you just need to know. You you, you just need to know to time something right or just you know you know change change the look and feel of it and yeah mm. they, they definitely need to um step the game up and that's one of the, one of the things that was all like i think you you regularly hear about um wcw back in the day and wwf i've heard this on so many podcasts of them talking about how wcw had great angles and they had great big matches and things, but they, they struggled for finishes in a lot of, a lot of different um, ways. Mm -hmm. And Pat Patterson was almost that like golden element to WWF that he was such a great finish man and he could work with people and put together this finish that made sense and was in fitting with the match that was put on. And um, it ended up working and having a positive end to title matches or or, or big gimmick matches and things like that. And it's something that's repeatedly mentioned as WCW that they failed to deliver because they could never, they never had the person who could work out good finishes. And like now you're looking at this and thinking, like, oh, is, is this, please don't let this be a, be like a black hole in AW that they, uh, they, they haven't got a good finish man because they need to, uh, you know, they need to deliver. They really, really need to deliver at the uh, next pay per view when it comes to that. Definitely, and that's what maybe coming out of this thought was an interesting talking point as well. Because you know, you say that about like I agree. I, I don't think you know MJF gains anything as like a dastardly heel from this clearly contrived bump. But I think you show enough footage of him with a crimson mask. He cuts enough promos about it. I'm sure he can probably you know get it over. You know, in time for a pay per view. But I'm not even sure where we're heading because if this is supposed to be this really horrible dastardly deal, then presumably Jericho is not going to be on TV and presumably he's not working the pay-per-view because like to me like 
was this angle setting up MJF and Sammy Guevara rather than MJF and Jericho? And if it is setting up MJF and Jericho, then, you know, how many weeks turnaround have we got? Three weeks turnaround, less than that, um, for Jericho to make a miraculous mm. comeback. It made me really question where we're going for the pay-per-view because actually... You know, if they're not doing MJF Jericho at one, I don't know what the main event of the show is because there isn't, you know, a, a clear standout main event for me from the matches that they teased elsewhere um, on this show. And yeah, two is it actually involving Jericho or Guevara? Because yeah, I think I've got got got, got issues with either really. But I actually think it'll it'll sting even more if Jericho just appears on Dynamite on Wednesday. You know, like nothing happened, and they have to do like the Eddie Kingston retcon or something. Um, yeah, I don't know what the uh, the good way out of this is now. Uh, building up to the pay per view at the end of the month. It's a difficult. It's I was going to say, there's got to be another attack. Jericho's got to come out in a wheelchair or something like that and get that again or <laughs> yeah. something like like that. You like, know, the, 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 you know, for, for for me, there's you know, there's got to be there's got to be something something like that. Like you mm-hmm. say, I know it can't just be oh, and Jericho here comes Jericho legging it down the aisle to you know mm-hmm. have a go at MJF or you know be in the ring doing a you know doing a promo or something like that. He, he needs to disappear and time time isn't on the side when it comes to building something with mm. substance to bounce back from it so um yeah I, to be honest i hadn't even thought about that next step and now you say it i'm like yeah. where is this going like mm. it's all really been weird that. hasn't it it's like i'm not saying it wasn't a feud where the award games it was because you know the start again the start of this match you know them all coming out you know the pinnacle lads in all white the jericho lads in their goofy prison costumes you know i had a little, little giggle to myself at that but it was it was cool it felt like a an end dead president's makeup oh, i love it i'll always yeah. take some dead president's makeup uh, from the lax lads but yeah i mean it, i think it earned that hate but also it felt weirdly timed uh, as a match to go to this now uh, especially, you know, we can talk about the ratings, uh, when, you know, in a bit, but like, especially considering they were going on, you know, Cinco de Mayo night, which, you know, I believe has had a little bit of a, you know, they had a great week, but it went a little bit against them. You would have thought this week coming up might have been the perfect week to do this match if you were insistent on doing it at Dynamite before the pay-per-view. Maybe they did it a little bit earlier in the month because they need that time to to sell this Jericho story. Maybe that's uh, that's where it's going. But yeah, it's been it, the whole thing's been awkwardly timed. And yeah, like I say, they got they got a double or nothing in two weeks. So yeah, they're gonna have to get a move on. Mm-hmm. I maybe, maybe maybe they're coming out at double or, not, or nothing to have a um, inner circle versus pinnacle conflab or something like that. Oh, where God. Five, 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 five of them stand opposite each other in the ring and you know critique <laughs> the match, crit, critique the match or something like that. Wouldn't surprise me. Mystery Science three thousand, Mystery Science Theater three thousand. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, it's it's true. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought of this at all about which direction they're going from here. Uh, it's like I thought Guevara kind of lost something, which I was really disappointed with because when he started off like a house on fire, I, I really honestly think he. he oh, he was great in the match. Like I, I thought it was great I, in the match. He was willing to like kill himself in this match. He almost yeah. did a couple of points, didn't he? He was the yeah. star of the match for me, at least the bits I uh, the first half yeah, he that was. I enjoyed. Yeah. And then like and really lots of people in that first half, but it is where where you go from here. Because mm-hmm. you kind of have to write off this. Otherwise, this isn't a finish worthy of blood and guts. No, mm-hmm. you've just undermined your own gimmick within a week of it. Which if they do that, which will be the case they'll have done this twice in a row, because I suspect that's what they're gonna end up doing. Mm. And they're going to build up to MJF versus Jericho or something like that. But like, where do you go from here after this? You can't do like what just a straight match between them. Mm. That's the problem now. What do you do? A cage match? 
then you get to the situation where it's like, well, there'll be some sort of bullshit that happens. Mm. And that's when it just sort of, that's where we speak about these things. And Gareth mentioned it with New Japan as well. There's a really big case in point. It doesn't take much to kind of underwhelm an audience and kind of make people tune off. You hear of this a lot in like kind of American quality television where probes like The Walking Dead will do real missteps over a season. And that has a massive effect. And people do tune up because they go, well, I'm just not really invested because I don't really like this stuff that's on there. And if you do that, again, it's, it's just like, what, what is the actual overall? It appears, to, it appears to be the case that ultimately it's been done for a photograph of MJF with that face. And, mm. and it's like you guys said, what does that really offer at this stage? And, you know, in an ideal world, you'd be having this on double or nothing, wouldn't you? Mm. First show back. But I get the reason for having it on TV because TV is ultimately paying this company and they've got a good relationship and they're going to want to do everything for it. So makes complete sense for that. Mm. But it ultimately leaves you then with a bit of a predicament because as we're going to talk about, the other stuff that's on there is not really going to no. sell the show. That's it, and you know, I think we all—I uh, don't think—I don't think anyone really believed Daniel Bryan was showing up on a uh, on Dynamite. But yeah, I, I, you know, this is a question we've asked—you know, what was Kenny's direction coming? You know, what is the main event of this pay per view? And yeah, you know, the the other like big news coming out of this show—you know, before the main event, we got that Kenny Omega promo that you know for me went on about fifteen minutes too longer than giving went fifteen minutes, but it was still fifteen minutes too long um, of Kenny Omega chewing scenery and doing his his hammy villain acts. I've just got to hold my hands up at this point. I, I just I don't enjoy watching Kenny Omega cut promos. Other people do, whatever. You know, he's a uh, he's big in the demo, so you know, clearly I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, you know, he's out there doing that and building up this Orange Cassidy match, which you know, bit odd timing to do it considering again, there's a, it's just something weird with the timeline of AEW right now. Surely you do that angle after Orange Cassidy beats Pack next week because you've kind of given away the finish to that, but. It wasn't the expectation for me, you know, for a Kenny Omega direction as far as a, a big pay-per-view match, a, an Orange Cassidy match where I am a little bit worried that, that it's going to very much lean into a, the comedy stylings of a of one Kenneth Omega, which I don't always think is befitting of someone in his role, but, you know, whatever. That's just me. Um, but, yeah, is that the main event of this show? Um, I suppose you can you can go the direction of uh, of Pac instead, but mm, that, based on, uh, again, that, that long segment uh, before it's- we got the other uh, Blood and Guts match, I think that's where we're going. It's going to be Orange Cassidy. Mm. I can't see any other way. It won't be. Um, and I think it's they're doing it for really a live audience, mm. I suspect, because they think they'll be behind That's Orange true. Cassidy. Be yeah. the song. They'll be able to get some kind of like visuals out of it and they'll have a good reaction to it. Mm. And he's good enough to have a good match. It's mm. not like he's a, he's a bad wrestler or anything else like that. It's, the result's not in doubt. Mm. That's a problem if you're selling a pay-per-view. Mm. Like if, if you're trying to sell any pay-per-view, you want the results for least kind of, you know, have that. You mentioned like about a proper heel, like Jake Paul, for example. <laughs> People bought that pay-per-view to see him lose. They see him to get him to get humiliated. And then he doesn't get humiliated. So then they'll pay to see it again. Mm. You know, these are things that are, are it's, yeah, it, it, it's not excited me. Mm. And I'm quite a fan of having these kind of interim challenges like this in a small way. But the last time when he did this with like, I think it was Moxley versus Brody Lee, that mm. was fine because the main event of the show was the Spring Stampede. So you had the big kind of blow-off match. So mm. having your world title like that, I was kind of fine with. I thought, yeah, that's quite good. And Brody Lee, like, you know, it was a good match. 
and they got a lot from it. And I think that kind of thing works. If this is your main event, it's not really selling it on that. And then what is it going to be? What Bucks versus um, Moxley and Kingston? I'm assuming. That can go on last, can't it? They haven't done it yet, but really? tag titles in it, I suppose. Mm. Big stars. Yeah, it just feels mm. like it's missing something. I don't know. What's your thoughts on it? Karashida versus Britt Baker. Yeah, yeah, you put them on last year. I'd, I'd argue for that more than Omega Cassidy, if I'm going to be honest. But like, mm. that's a personal preference of a match that I would like to see more than that. But mm. I just thought it was a weird segment overall. I mean, the only thing I liked about it was the positioning or the angle of it next to the cage. I was, was thinking, cool. like, oh, what a great shot this is. Like, what a great place to do the interview. It, it, mm. it, the, the look and feel of that was was great. But just even out of the interview, I just thought Orange Cassidy just looked shit. Just, so I know he doesn't react, and it, like, but he just, I don't know, he just, just stood there. He just looked a bit like... It just it looked a bit ridiculous, I thought, stood there and it, it, at the end after Kenny had just done all that, especially because they've they've shown his character, it's evolved over the last 12 months to have a little bit more mm-hmm. fire and he will snap back and things like that when people have a go. He isn't just, you know, he isn't just, you know, mm-hmm. cool and quiet and calm all the time you know he will you know he will he will have a go and he will have a comeback on occasions and things and i just thought it just it just felt odd and like it just immediately just felt like that can't be the that can't be the world title match of a you know aw pay-per-views are limited enough as what four a year like mm. it felt like i could i could this is totally acceptable as a dynamite world title match oh, yeah. that you can build to you can build to kenny orange on you know, on 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 Dynamite over a, a four week period, one of those interim, you know, title matches that they have in between pay per views. But yeah, not not a pay per view headliner. That just uh, it just felt odd. Todd Martin made a good point on his show on the torch this week. He was saying it's a bit like um, you know, and you like you keep a you keep a freezer, you keep a pizza in the freezer for uh, you know, I'll have that one day. You know, when I'm when I'm stuck and like. Kind of what AW seem to be doing with big matches. Obviously, we've been in a pandemic, but you know you can't. They, I don't think they wanted to waste a star versus a star matches. Mm-hmm. But like he was making the point, like you know, at some point, like you said, there, Gareth, there's only four pay per views a year. You probably have got to start like unloading some of those matches. You know, when's when's Cody gonna face Kenny? When's Kenny gonna face you know Hangman Page? You know, when are the top tippy top guys at AW? When's Cody gonna meet Moxley? You know, when are, when are, you could do these matches at some point i don't know what they're thinking like are they thinking we can get away with one here it's the first pay-per-view back you know maybe jericho and jeff is happening and that's your your big headline match maybe they're putting a lot of stock in sting you know doing potentially that tag with derby um i don't know it's your first show though with like a reasonable sized crowd i i'd pull the trigger on something um you know what was you know what was odd last week was because hangman lost didn't he was it mm, was it brian cage that was so strange to? yeah and, and then and then like i'm just looking on like the rankings here and like hangman's eight and one in his mm. ranking now and like orange cassidy's eight and oh and like it felt so odd and just out of nowhere that he lost that match and i'm now thinking is that literally a one-week turnaround where they've gone like oh fuck if we want to put orange cassidy in this hangman's got to lose one because otherwise he's going to have every justification to be in this title matches uh, mm. as well and that it makes you feel like oh god is it just been is it been booked that on the fly because it certainly didn't look like hangman's been building to a defeat uh, for for mm. for any, any any time period as well and i suppose a counter argument is is that they've had something with orange cassidy they've had mm. um 
obviously he's been over with crowds and one of the things with questions in the past is what is the longevity of that how how much legs is there in this act so maybe it's a case of you've got to pull a trigger on a world title match for him now because in 12 months time the act's probably going to maybe be a, you know a bit more stale there's going to be you know let's milk what we can out of this act now while we while we can because the people are going to be invested in orange cassidy in 12 months time in 18 months time as they you know have been in the last 12 months i almost feel like this is a bit kind of was the Jericho match not that moment though? You know, the the little Jericho mini feuds. Like that was it, wasn't yeah, it? I yeah, feel like we've done yeah, it. Yeah, I, I feel like we've done yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, I think he came down from that point, and maybe this is just like right. Well, let's just milk that one extra thing out of him mm. while we can before he genuinely does embed himself in that you know mid card fun baby face you know territory, and he can lose a bit more regularly and and and, and things like that. But um, but yeah, it's certainly not something that's got me. <laughs> again on the on the back of the end of the main event if that if thinking about if if that's the then the main event going in the next pay-per-view it's not one that's got me thinking oh great well they're gonna turn the ship around and deliver uh de- deliver something outstanding there to to keep us going it's um well we are you know getting uh potentially cody rhodes against brit reza's savior anthony agogo uh, <laughs> i think that's where that was going so that's the other thing Cody's not in a particular it doesn't feel like a particularly big match to me they did the the QT Marshall not blow off but the match you know on this pay-per-view QT Marshall did about as bang average as you'll expect from QT Marshall but you know that's what happens when you put QT Marshall in this spot um that was fine and it was to be honest actually you know I again I don't personally I wouldn't give QT Marshall this much TV time I just I feel like you could find someone else for this role you know despite him and Cody's uh, personal mm. back and forth you know I would have still brought in an outsider like a, a Ethan Page or somebody like that and put somebody a bit more worthwhile in this spot but I have got a he's a little bit of crow because I was thinking the big pay-per-view match was QT Marshall and you two kind of talked me down on that I'm like well you know maybe this is more about getting the other guys over and to be fair, that does actually look like what, what what's happening. You know, this match uh, ended with Anthony Agogo coming out and uh, attacking Cody, um, draping him in the uh, the Union Jack. I'm sure we were all uh, very proud at the, that particular moment. And I think that's what's happening out of this year. Cody Rhodes and Anthony Agogo mm. are a pay per view. We have on that because on the one hand, I want to applaud them for you know putting you know somebody fresh and new in that spot on the other hand can't imagine that being a good match but maybe no. maybe Anthony Agogo has been you know killing it in uh in training and in, uh, in dark matches or whatever um that, that aren't being shown even uh, on AW Dark I don't know uh odd one that uh, but yeah that seems to be where we're going and yeah QT Marshall was the maybe a vehicle for that rather than the destination I can't believe we forgot him on the Patreon, Anthony Agogo. <laughs> oh, there oh, you go. Yeah. Successful Brits abroad. <laughs> yes. Is there going to be a flag I mean, match? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really, you just want that to be something where they just use it to just... I mean, this is going to be extremely out of character for Cody, but mm. you just really want it just to be a vehicle where, again, Agogo just fucking batters him, doesn't he? And, yeah. and then mm. he can go off and have a bit of paternity leave and because... She must be due very soon now. I would have oh, thought. So you know, maybe um, maybe get Anthony Gogo to give him a good eye and just uh, you, you know take him out with some broken ribs or something like that that yeah. he can then come back with at a, uh, at a at a at a later date. Should, like sh- that should be the route, but. 
Cody will probably pin him, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then we, uh, before the pay-per-view, we'll have another few going anyway. So, yeah, the chances of him actually taking time off TV. He'll it, beat Nick Connor the following week as well, and then the, uh, the, they'll be done. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, it's so much to put on Anthony Agogo. It is, yeah. This. Mm. It's, mm. it's ridiculous. When you think about it, it's like, this isn't right in some ways like I in some ways you kind of admire him for it but unless you've worked the fuck out of this match at the training facility I'd be I'd, I'd be terrified I think we said this when we were talking about this on the weekend show it was like yeah this this really scares me because it could be something where you watch it and you're so pleasantly surprised and go this is great whether it be like sort of Ronda Rousey at Wrestlemania for the first time or that American footballer um, who appeared on TNA and like, but more often than not, that's not the case. And it's ha- like, even though he's been there a while and he's been training and everything else, that's a lot. There's a full crowd that's going to be there for this. Mm. So you're talking five and a half thousand. It's a lot of pressure for him to be doing, and he's going to have to deliver. And if it goes wrong, it kind of kills it mm. stone dead. Mm. So there's a lot of like risk on this as well. And it's not just Anthony Agoga, it'd be the entire stable by default. A stable that's really gotten over on Dark, not on Dynamite. You know, this is a stable that isn't yeah, over yeah. yet. You know, it's it's a lot, isn't it? Um, and well, he wants well, well, on Dark and Dark Elevation. Mm. He adds storylines to those shows, but here, this time, really? Is this the best use? I want Annie Gogo to come down, knock him out, and then get a tattoo machine and just to do a Union Jack over the American flag and uh, Cody's <laughs> tattoo on his, on his neck and go go for the ultimate heel Brit move there as a drape the flag last, you know, one week and then t- colour in his American flag with the British flag there the following week. Uh, the only thing that could make that tattoo worse. It's only going to make that thing even worse. <laughs> a fucking Union Jack, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, that, again, that was a bit Brexit of a... Cody. <laughs> oh, God. He'd be a Brexit, wouldn't he? Nailed on. Talking about wrestlers and their political <laughs> Unions, uh, I've got no doubt. <laughs> oh, but um, yeah, yep. So that was on the show. Um, highlight for me actually, you know, came after this. The uh, I did really enjoy the Darby Allen angle with Ethan Page burying Evolve, <laughs> and then um, yeah. and then Scorpio Sky uh, before that uh, launching him um, down the down those stairs again. Similar to a conversation we've had before about AEW having you know a bit of quality control. I don't know if I'd have done this stunt on the same show that Jericho was going to take a really crappy bump off the top of the cage but uh, i suppose the counterpoint is you know two two big moments can happen on a sports broadcast it's whether you look at it as sports or or tv really in a tv show you probably wouldn't do both of these in the same episode in sports maybe i will put that point to me maybe you can get away with it a little bit more but i still enjoy that as a moment darby's a fucking nutter and yeah ethan page getting digs in on air uh, on gabe sapolsky will always be a winner by me um i still don't know about this weird team with uh with scorpio sky um scorpio sky again just isn't one for me really it feels a his promo particularly was a it was a bit weird um in this segment but yeah i think i yeah, think that means like x mate <laughs> oh right there you go yeah um, he's a, a wrestling society x uh, legend isn't he but yeah we had that early on the show and later on the show we had uh obviously the payoff to this is uh is clearly miro um who's uh insisting he gets his uh, his big match with darby allen talk about promos by the side of the cage i was i was looking at me watching kind of going hang on surely we need to get to this match here but yeah the miro promo was a, a much uh better use of time i thought than uh than some of the uh the, the cody uh again the cody kenny again and that we got but yeah but did you, you guys think of that as a, an angle throughout the show I love, I love the payoff with the Miro stuff I love that line 
Yeah. We'll find out what the we'll find out what happens when the man who doesn't mind dying meets the man who doesn't mind killing him. Mm. But what a great fucking line that is! Like mm. it was, and and just the way Miro delivered it as well. I was just like, yes, I'm just like, he's back in the room, full be, really? fully behind Miro here on this. Um, mm. Yeah, hard the hard bastard Miro that we've been been wanting so yeah. much. I mean the, the you know the earlier stuff with. Um, Ethan Page and, and, um, uh, and Scorpio Sky and Darby Allen. I mean, it was fine for what it was. It was just something that was there for me. It wasn't something that was like, mm. wow, that's amazing, that's dead cool or anything like that. It was just a segment on the the, 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 the show to me that just, just, just moved on. And likewise, I'm a bit unsure about this whole Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page team because... I'm pretty sure the week before he got with Ethan Page, he delivered some promo where it was, it's all about me now. And, um, you know, like yeah. I'm the star and like, mm. and then a week later, suddenly he's in a, is, is in a different tag team with a, you know, having distanced himself from the tag team who he was the tag team champions with. So it's, it all seems a bit odd really. And a bit that feel, that feels a bit thrown together as well, whether, whether or not that was just a late decision with Ethan Page coming in, but mm. yeah, it just feels, feels a bit odd. With Ethan Page as well, the other thing is is that he's come in, he was involved in that um, ladder match, wasn't he? And then within a week, two weeks, he's complaining he hasn't had opportunities. It's like, I've just been on a fucking pay-per-view, mate. Like, what's... Mm. Like, he's a good promo, and he can cut, you know, he get, like, I enjoyed it. But at the same time, the whole character motivation is, is like, he's basically disillusioned in a place where he's... Imagine he just started work. And then within like a week, you're sulking in the corner because you don't really want to be there. Like ultimately, like your boss is going to go, yeah, this isn't working out. I think you better leave. Rather than like, where's my opportunities? Like you've just started it. You haven't even passed your probation period. What's going on? <laughs> like it, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. And then you're just teaming up with some bloke who's worked there for a long time, been miserable, never really given a shot. And it's just like, you start trying to throw your lot in it with him. And it's like, Scorpio Sky has been around like kind of, all elite wrestling is the fucking start, mate. It's mm. it, yeah. yeah, it's all very weird. Weird, isn't it? And, yeah, you know, maybe we're headed as uh, Sean said there to Miro killing Derby, and yeah, I suppose that's you could beat the books for the uh, the tag titles, but I don't see that happening uh, this week. I think we are as, as was set up here. Like we got our big dream match, didn't we? Of uh, Moxley and Eddie Kingston getting the, the match they really wanted, Gareth uh, Kenny and Michael Nakazawa in his polo shirt um, for whatever reason. Um, yeah, that 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 was a segment that really. To be honest, the first hour of the show didn't really work for me. It was just strange the fact that I know why they taped it ahead of time but it just it made it feel lesser than and not particular it just it was like come on lads let's just get to the cage match you know let's get to the real arena with the real people in it um and then to add to it I just thought it was a bit it was fluff really uh, it was the Kenny I don't want to see doing comedy with uh, with Nakazawa um and yeah I think it's it's all designed to set up uh, Moxley and Kingston against the books but as with everything um, in this pay per view, it's a, uh, it's 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 kind of odd, and yeah, I mean, I suppose yeah, as Sean said there in the chat as well, if if you know we're not, if we are headed there, then that means SCU have to use to lose to the, the young books as well um, coming up, which would mean they're out of AEW. Um, maybe it's a good thing that we can't predict this stuff right well, they have now. To but break up, isn't it? Is that yeah, right? if they lose, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, bit of a bit of an odd, kind of an odd. Again, feels a bit like they haven't been sure which feud they're going to pull the, thing, the trigger on. Whether we're going to get mm. Eddie Kingston against Kenny in a B in a B defense or whether we are leaning into them two against the boxers, like a, a tag title match that could theoretically go on last just to, yeah, another one, uh, another one where things feel a little bit strange right now. 
I didn't mind that one. I mean, I, I, I think with that, like the books against SCU does feel like a dynamite tag team title match to me. Mm. And I quite like the idea that they've had this on the horizon and they've built towards it with this SCU storyline behind it because in another world, this could have just been a, they're the top of the rankings and they get a title match and that's the that's the story behind it and that's the stipulation. And this just felt to me like at least it's got something behind it. It's got some, the, the, there's a reason for this match taking place and there's a bit of substance to it and, 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 and things because um, would I have been interested in a Young Bucks SCU title match on Dynamite if it was just thrown out there as they're the number one ranked team? Yeah, it would have been, yeah, it's fine. It's going to be a decent match kind of thing. But now it just feels like it's just got a bit more something behind it that's mm. making you, it's putting that element of doubt in people's minds. Um, it's, you know, it's making you think about, okay, well, what is the outcome going to be? It's making you think about, well, what's the next steps for Daniels and Kazarian and things if they do lose yeah. and stuff like that. And so they've built in that intrigue and things with the storyline, which I think's clever and very well, very well done. Uh, do I expect SCU to win? Like, not at all. And based on seeing Daniels of late, I'm not sure how much longer he wants to go in the ring anyway. He, he looks... That's he's starting to look his age to me. Kazarian doesn't. Kazarian still looks very, very good, I think. Uh, and, and, and and it feels the right time for them to, you know, to, mm-hmm. to break that act up, I think. Yeah, I was having a think about this. There's some good... Like, for Daniels, I think you're phasing towards Daniels retiring, which you kind of hope if he lost this one... He might say, look, I don't think I've got it anymore. Maybe a double or nothing. He'd have a retirement match against Frankie Kazarian or something along those lines. I wouldn't be amazed if something like that happened Um, because he's north of 50. He's got a good job there. He's very well respected and he's had an excellent career. So, like, I think there's a lot, there's a lot to be said of that, and and and, I, and if this is the route they're going, I don't think that's a bad route. I also then think you can have a good route where Frankie Kazarian basically like they don't have to hate each other, but it might be a case where Daniels goes right. I'll help you find some young guy from one of the people from I don't know from eight dark or dark elevation, and you get them to team with Frankie Kazarian and shows them the rope. That's a kind of nice little storyline. I think that keeps everyone kind of busy as well. So yeah, uh, like that, that's where I'm thinking with this. And then obviously it makes sense with the bucks, the bucks to lose the titles is just too weird for all of the stuff they've done. It would make them winning the titles just like almost redundant. And well, it's, yeah. like, it's like, why would you have done this in the first place? It, it just would be not, it wouldn't really make any sense thing with Daniels as well people forget you know he's been around so long that he was rumored to be the higher power in 1998 you know what I mean like that's how long Chris Daniels has been around so yeah if he's uh if he's wanting to hang them up that wouldn't uh wouldn't shock me um but yeah I mean you know overall as a as a show I think probably actually got more negative than than positive to, to mm. say there but you know it still did you know a, a good rating it, you know as far as overall viewership in 1.1 million did a stellar rating as far as you know the uh the 18 to 49 and um, being number one on cable for for the night um says everything really again you know on Cinco de Mayo where uh, you know there'll probably be a lot of catch-up viewing for, for last week's Dynamite as well um we're going in um to another show next week that they they packed to 
to an extent. You know, Moxley and Yuji Nagata's on that show. Darby Allen versus Miro with that payoff. Bucks and SCU, as we just mentioned there. And that Orange Cassidy um, pack. Uh, title contendership match so yeah i suppose from both points of view yeah what did uh i suppose gareth you uh, you know we don't know uh, your thoughts on record first what did you what did you make of the uh the 1.1 million and number one on cable for last wednesday and do you think they uh they keep it up with that relatively uh stacked dynamite coming up this wednesday with maybe uh less competition for the night it being uh again not a not a holiday night well, as predicted. Um, <laughs> it was, it was... A very delayed there, yeah. As, as you did predict last week. You were right, yes. <laughs> Should have put some money on that. <laughs> Finally got one. <laughs> <laughs> Those grapple mats paying off, right? Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it felt about right with the way the ratings had gone, you know, the previous two weeks that, you know, obviously factoring in that outside influence you know that we've that we've talked about there and the impact with on, on aw in the in, in the past mm-hmm. you know it does it does affect their ratings as well you know it's it, it's good you look at that now over that you know that whole period that nxt's moved the average audience there that watch an aw they'll be fucking absolutely delighted with that you know what the, what they've averaged out there and cleverly the next show is stacked as we build towards you know a big a big pay-per-view as well so you know it's it's all about that momentum and thinking okay well if we can at least maintain this average again for the next month then pay-per-view buys are presumably going to be up as a percentage of their overall audience and and, and things as well you know it looks like a you know a solid a, a, a solid move from that perspective the only thing is is what damage is that pay-per-view going to uh, pay-per-view sorry what, what damage is that uh, match engine going to have had mm-hmm. on people again you know you just you just wonder is there um is there any going to be any residual damage from people who've um either seen the jericho stuff online and it's turned them off people who've watched it live and thought like ah you know that was bullshit or or whatever you know potentially uh there could be some damage there just 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 to see what the 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 impact is but i think if you turned around next week and you said you're gonna do you know 1.1 1.1 again hmm. presumably they'd be they'd be delighted to main, maintain it at that level and anything you know going over and above that's got to be a got to be a bonus that's a, we'll find out what kind of mega draw Eugene Agassa is um, on like this week uh, but I, I, I do think yeah the, the fact that it's it's going to be a you know a, not a holiday night the fact that you know I think without that last week's Dynamite prop this blood and guts was really well built up to showing in the the quarter hour ratings you know it was the uh, the peak of the show you always like to see the main event be the uh, the peak of the show and it was um shows that yeah it was a it was a strong night and i i do think yeah you, that can go positive and negatively i think similar to the uh, exploding barbed wire thing i was if anything i was intrigued to watch dynamite because i just want to see how they're going to fucking talk the way out of it um with that one and i wonder whether you know you could even get that that happen here um but yeah i think i go with that i'm go- i'm not going to bet against scrapple gareth anymore when it comes to these numbers, JP, I'm going. Uh, if he's 1.1, I'm. Uh, don't know, 1.05. <laughs> I'll just keep close. I'll, I'll do that game show thing where you're uh, you just undercut the person. <laughs> One million and ninety nine thousand views. Nine hundred ninety nine thousand views exactly. That feels cowardly. That's all I did last week. Whoever went one point two, I just went hundred k under them. <laughs> I don't think I went. For, I don't think I went first last week. <laughs> the million last time. I almost feel like I have to say a million again because I don't think it'll do one point. I don't know. Do you know what? I'll say 1.3 for shits and giggles. Why not? 
Eugene Degas are back on TNT. Bigger draw than people think, you know. I'll be it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is it? Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's an in, you know it's a it, they're clearly trying to keep put the the best foot forward. The fact that they're doing another live show next week tells you that too, because um, obviously things are going to get a bit weird uh, coming up. Unfortunately, uh, with the weird with the. Uh, the NBA causing them to uh, to move nights uh, in the subsequent week, so they'll want a strong one this week. And mm-hmm. I am uh, I am looking forward to it. But yeah, that's uh, I suppose enough on uh, on AEW for now. Um, I feel better now. I've uh, rid myself of those blood and yes. guts uh, demons. I was looking forward to that, and I think uh, it uh, it paid off in the end. But yeah, not a huge amount uh, else to talk about this week. But there is a, a few things uh, we've uh, we've each seen. Uh, starting, I suppose, with uh, one thing we have all seen is uh, part two of the uh, Brian Pillman documentary. Uh, yeah, I ended up watching the whole thing again. I just watched the uh, the full run today because um, I enjoyed it so much, so much uh, last week. And yeah, I don't know. I'd probably echo the thoughts uh, of last week and just to say that yeah, I think this week's one, you know, as well as. Uh, you know that well. I suppose this week's one, the full episode. Uh, I think the biggest thing you take out of it is it's the kids, isn't it? Um, I thought that was. Yeah. You know, I thought Brian Pillman Junior. You can't help but but watch that and you know yeah. feel for him. You know and, and kind of understand his journey uh, a fair bit more um, as far as you know uh, why he got into wrestling and you know you almost come out of it cheerleading them and hoping hoping things work out for him and not only him but the uh, the rest of the Pillman family so I thought that was fascinating thought Kim Wood was an absolute legend once again um, I could I could watch him talk all day and listen to him talk all day as I did on uh, Observer Radio and I, I listened to that this morning as well so yeah thought he was uh, great. notable again but yeah all in all just a, a really really well done documentary I think he did a, a good job of uh, digging into the maybe the WWF side of his career and digging into the whole you know having uh, Melanie Pillman on Raw stuff um, you know with uh, mm-hmm. with JR and Jim Cornette and the like uh, talking about how it was uh, you know tasteless at the time and, and still tasteless now all these years later and yeah I think you got some genuine emotion out of those talking heads as well as they had to uh, deal with the uh, the untimely death of Brian Pillman as well um, but yeah an emotional um, second hour but I think uh, must watch stuff uh, for anyone who's, uh, who's not seen it JP it followed in the tradition of like the best episodes of Dark Side of the Ring, mm. like which you'd say the Benoit and the Owen Hart ones, mm. where actually it's the kind of children and it's the other family members who mm. kind of end up taking over and it becomes a much more human story and a better documentary as a result. And quite often what happens with wrestling documentaries is they fall in love with the idea of like who their star is and the rest of it. And they don't really talk about that other stuff, whereas this one kind of did... Um, I, I thought I thought this was brilliant. Just like you mentioned about Brian Pillman Jr., it was kind of heartbreaking hearing him talk at points about like when he's breaking down and he's talking about his, there's no one who's he didn't play catch with his dad and the rest of it. And he's so good because he's so forgiving to his mum. Whereas clearly with the other kids, it's it's a, it, like they, they don't feel that way. And I understand when you watch the first part of it, particularly when you hear about his first wife, Rochelle, about how that kind of is the case. But like, and the aunt who is tremendous. And I thought the bit with the spider, I sorry, I thought that was like a great little natural piece of comedy. I don't know if you remember it, Gareth, when they can hear the spite. When like you hear Brian Pillman just sort of yell, and uh, Brian Pillman Jr. just yell, and it turns out there was a spider in the bathroom that she'd sort of left there, and it, and it kind of made him jump. And it's just like a, oh yeah, there was just like a really nice little moment like that that they kind of put into it. And then when it came to Pillman, 
there's a lot of stuff where you realize again at this point like the amount of um uh like the how damaged that ankle really was like how bad it was and he couldn't move and you see the stuff he's doing in particular like the match against gold dust where he's sort of flying off the top rope and stuff and he's nowhere near flying brian at this point and he looks entirely different that's the whole thing is how much he just physically changes from how i would remember him as in kind of wcw in in 89 90 to how he is by this point in kind of like 97 and he's just sort of all over the place. And then it's, it's as with a lot of the dark side of the ring documentaries, there's always a bit where it's like normally Jim Ross will go, look, we did this angle. We didn't know it'd be as tasteless, but it turned out it was really tasteless. And that's a common theme. We thought we'd do something and it turns out to be completely wrong and we just have to do it. And we'll try not to do it. It's like, yeah, you'll do it again. And then somebody else goes through exactly the same fucking rigmarole. So it's a really like just seeing what kind of happened to him and the potential of what could have been, particularly if it was that first car wreck when he was in the negotiations about where that would have been as well. And the kind of influences he had. Um, I, I, I think this series is, is, Generally, it's tremendous. I don't know what the next one is. I'm not quite sure what the, the, the one that's on this week is. Normally, they have a bit of a come down and they normally get what I think of as a silly bastard episode where it's like, here's New Jack fucking <laughs> some shit up at the end. Mm. So maybe Nick Gage, I don't know. They'll just sort of throw in at the mix as a kind of bit of lighthearted relief. Yeah, I just echo some of what you said there. I think some of the things that was just sort of stand out for me were it was almost like that he'd worked that angle so hard that he'd put himself in his position there where nobody knew what was real and what was fake about Brian Pillman. And I thought that came across so much stronger there. And then you look at things where he's, you know, that whole thing of like, is he having plastic surgery to look like an evil Shawn Michaels and things like that? And people are actually <laughs> saying, you know, people are actually saying this kind of stuff and like, what? Like, so people are really taking that, you know, that's how how well that he's uh, presented things that people are, you know, he was genuinely had to be asked that in an interview and things. And then, but then equally, you're thinking about, okay, well, is he getting the level of support that he needs when he's but physically he's so broken down and his ankle and his his foot is in such a bad way. Really, there's probably a responsibility there on WWF for him to not be working at that time and, you know, trying to support him and not rush him back to the to to, to the ring and kind of protect him in a bit more in in as you know in in a bit more of a way than they did there. But equally he's working them still and you know because he's so thinking about money and his contract and his future and things so he's he's not able to say what the score really is and then and then you know like almost you know you're thinking about things right up until the the end even there and then you just think about the the wwf and their i don't know their role and their responsibility and you know that um, Melanie Pillman interview was always in incredibly bad taste at the time but again it's one of these where based on her life do you, you know would you take everything that she says at face value but I think I've heard her say it before when she says about you know 
not wanting to talk about something and it's the first question that Vince McMahon literally asks her, you know, and he's just immediately putting her on the spot for that tears for ratings as I think it was Jim Ross put it and things and you just mm. think like, you know, how many like how many times does this arsehole just prove himself to be the biggest fucking prick in the world and then he was just like another another example of it of him just you know, you know just plowing over a difficult situation for his own personal gain and you know again it's just just shown up so many times and so many times in this dark side of the the, the ring series when it comes to Vince, Mc, Vince McMahon you know god you can almost tick them off like what a what a negative impact he's had in so many people's lives and people still paint this picture of him as been you know oh yeah like oh he's a good guy deep down and all all this fucking bullshit oh think of the eulogies we're gonna get (laughs) no it's gonna 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 be awful but but yeah it was just a real you know it was just a real like tearjerker taking you back to that you know, taking you back to that time and, and, you know, just seeing the way that this man's life ended and it just didn't need to end that way, probably with a, you know, an element of support. Mm, Definitely. And, you know, to tie those two things together, you know, uh, did people know he was in such a state? Like, oh yeah, he he worked the locker room, but the fact that Vince McMahon's first question to Melanie is about all the drugs Pillman was on, they knew. You know, they 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 knew this was a man who was dragging dragging his body through through you know episodes of Raw and through matches, which which you know they showed a couple of clips of the matches with Goldust, which are hard to watch now. Even something as simple as he tried, he missed the dropkick, didn't he? And like you see him land and just think, bet that was absolutely no fun um, for the real Brian Pillman behind that. But yeah, it's uh, that's the nature of uh, unfortunately working working for Vince McMahon in WWE. But I think what what this show did really well. This one particularly, talking heads were fucking great. Like this wasn't like yeah. some of those A and E ones where I've gone, why did why is that gobshite sat there? Everybody on this was great. You know, the, you had all the right people. You know, you had you know, say your cornets. You had you, you know Meltzer was there. You know, again Kim Wood, who again, if you haven't listened to his his episode of his ever, he's fucking he's got a story about everyone. Everything's his idea. It's the one thing you take from these documentaries somehow. But uh, <laughs> for somebody who wasn't involved in wrestling, you know, he's a fucking lot about wrestling. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. as a, as a I, 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 I,
Um, I think yeah, it sounded like he was a, a good influence on uh, on Pillman. I, th- I think though with him, I referenced it last week. I've still got my doubts listening to him though throughout. Like where he, he just feels like a worker to me, and he's now <laughs> he's now working the he's now working the wrestling fans. He's You're got uh, he's got this op- he's got this opportunity here there where he's he is a bit <laughs> of a he's a bit of a raconteur, and he's uh, embellishing these stories and things. And even in that Meltzer interview, there's a few things that he was saying where Meltzer just had to pick him up on and correct a couple of facts and things like that. And I was thinking, like, yeah, he's, a, he's, he's, he's talking so much about bullshitting wrestling fans and bullshitting people in wrestling and things like that. Uh, I'm not as entertaining as uh, as he is and as entertaining as his stories are. I'm not taking him as a hundred percent on the level. There's far too much credit that he's given to himself here for um, for a lot of things and putting himself over. Is uh, I think he's uh, he smells he smells money. I think in the uh, in the in the short term here and probably trying to ride it as best as he can while while he can. <laughs> he loves a con man or he loves a confidence man doesn't he as he mm-hmm. goes into detail about as well um, yeah. very confident man he is he's a good he's a, he's a good character and in some ways like it's it's like a kind of somewhat of a refreshing antidote at times hearing people talk like that in some ways where they haven't like he's got nothing to lose mm. has he by doing this and he thinks he's going to get a little bit of traction off it and he's enjoying himself so, and he made sure to apologise for the, uh, the 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 remark he makes about Vince McMahon, which they say, he says is kind of like selective editing. Mm. It was like, oh, okay, all right, just in case Vince gives you a call, good lad. He knows that he knows how this game is fucking worked. <laughs> oh, it does, he does. Um, but yeah, all in all, I I really did think it was a good piece of work because I came away with a bit of a extra kind of like you know, will for him to do well for uh, for Brian Pillman Jr. Like you have said, the family all came across well. That Linda Pillman come across like an absolute saint, um, his, uh, his sister. And yeah, all in all, like you just come out of it, don't you? Same conversations we had last week, you just come out thinking, what if, you know, what if, you know, Pillman was already attached to the hip to Austin and we all saw what happened to Austin. Like <laughs> just a little bit of that, like, you know, that glory there, it splashed on him too. That just a little bit, you know, a little, little programmers like that. You can imagine it, can't you? Like, you know, when, when Austin won the belt from Sean and they had no heel set up it was like he feuded with dude love for a few months which was random as fuck um, I know you can look back retrospectively and go yeah but it was Mick Foley and Mick Foley wasn't really a heel at that point and it, nor was he the obvious choice for you know the, the corporate mm. uh, side to go against uh, go against Austin imagine you know Pillman in that spot or you know later in the year as an alternate to, to you know all the Kane and Undertaker stuff they did with Austin he would have had a role you know the wrestling history yeah. I think would have been quite differently quite different one if he hadn't died and two you know if maybe yeah you know there was a couple of car crashes that happened and he was in a, a bit better shape overall um, but yeah it was a great uh, to go down, uh, I think those are uh, you know even bad memories there. But to, to go back and yeah, even for people who don't know who he is, to uh, appreciate a little bit more exactly uh, who Brian Pillman was. Sliding doors, Benno. What there might yeah. There's another one, another episode. There's there's another one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's coming. Uh, Patreon series coming soon. That's all I was thinking about just this. <laughs> Nobody steal it, Brayden and Davy. I'm looking at you. Um, <laughs> we steal their ideas; they don't steal ours. Um, <laughs> moving on, though. Uh, did you guys uh, manage to catch up with any of the documentary, the uh, A and E stuff? We talked. Uh, I talked a bit about the uh, the Savage one last week. I don't know if you guys managed oh. to uh, catch up with that or the uh, the Booker T one there uh, that's uh, just uh, a time of recording. 
I saw the second half of the um, Savage one. I've not seen the Booker T one yet. Takes a turn, doesn't it? Please? Oh, Christ, it does. It mm. really takes a turn. And it's, yeah, it, it it gets so dark. Like the bit bits where you're hearing about him, like kind of putting the cameras all up around Gorgeous George's home and the rest of it. It's <laughs> And the fact that the sister doesn't want to appear on camera and stuff like that makes you really kind of like, thinking what the hell's going on here mm. it does really take a direction and like you said at the time well, they try and win it back but you it doesn't go mm. it's like you know he has the Santa appearance but that's basically where the similarities end no it's um, so romantic mate. Yeah, he, he, he drove his car into a tree with his with his love of his life next to him what a, what a, that's how he would have wanted to die no which sets up the most bizarre credit sequence where it says, well, that's how he would have wanted to die. What next? Would he want to jump off the top of a building into the blades of a helicopter? Like, I mean, like, how do you predict where this goes? Mm-hmm. I want to die. How mentally is how I want to die. I just want to die like in some fucked up way that gets a reaction from people. Yeah, bizarre stuff. Well, Gorgeous George as well has came out in like shoot interview. Melter mentioned it and I'd forgotten, but I did know she's done shoot interviews before and the story's even worse. You know, the, all of the stuff with the 17 year old sister. Apparently, Savage was constantly trying to sleep with her and trying to ask Gorgeous George to set it up for him and stuff. Oh, and that's who's shower he had the cameras in and stuff. It's, I mean, on the one hand, I applaud them for going oh. into this stuff, but on the other hand, I think there was actually even more beneath the service that, yeah, you know, uh, shock up for the, uh, for the young wrestling fans among us if you think the uh, the gobsites and brit res are bad let me tell you about these 80s wrestlers um and yeah savage is a particularly bad oh, one but good god he's nowhere yeah. near the worst mm, is he yeah we've done a podcast on that That's so, yeah. <laughs> let's look at down that road again jp we're all in a good mood here <laughs> yeah no no we won't i'll keep still on that <laughs> Yeah, no, I caught up on it as well, and it was just—it was very much as built by you last week, Ben. It was just mm-hmm. that the, the the turn on it, and just some of these stories that I was, you know, generally these kind of documentaries you've heard it all before, but you know, some of the stuff there towards the end where I'd never heard it, and you just like fuck, and you know, it just builds, you know, builds into the character and the head of you know the you know, the individual who was doing what he was doing to Miss Elizabeth and things like that as well, you know, that whole, the way his brain worked and the way he was wired and things. And, you know, he wasn't a fucking, you know, he wasn't a nice man really from from from, from that side of things. And yeah, the whole stuff with uh, Gorgeous George's family and, and and everything like that, it was it was just a pretty uh, pretty negative, uh, negative end to that one. And it, it was surprising to me. I know you said there's worse stuff there, but it was surprising that they went in that, that deep on him kind of thing. It's not the sort of thing that you'd have expected it, you know, expected to happen. And especially with the, um, I don't know, the audience for this type of uh, show that you'd expect the majority of uh, it's, it's your sort of your nostalgia crowd and things like that. It's, it's not a dark side of the ring audience. It's, it's generally a bit more of a, you know, positive nostalgic piece around, around some of these. But I mean, I think, yeah, I think one of the, most annoying things for me. I think I think we touched upon this the other day within the when we did the Patreon show, or maybe just the the, the pre element to that was just some of the people who were talking about him and like having to just sit there and listen to like Natty Neidhart talk about him and stuff oh. and just ro- rolling out like you know just you know WWE speak kind of thing and just you know this all this jargon bollocks and things like that and you're just like oh like 
be quiet. And I think you had particularly strong feelings about Bubba the Love Sponge as well and his contribution. Like oh, a man who Savage clearly hated in life, and then like Bubba Love Sponge is like, oh yeah, we used to like we used to like do pranks on the radio where we call him a gobshite and he ring up where they're angry. So yeah, what a great story to tell in the in the documentary about like whatever you think about Savage about his death, you know, fucking yeah, they they they. they he belonged nowhere near this documentary. He's just, yeah, that, that's not that's not who you go to. Have you got Savage's album? I know. No, you know what? Yeah. You think it's right up your street, that isn't it? Well, there's our outro. Uh, no, I've never. Uh, I think I've heard the, the "Be a Man" the Hogan disc, but I haven't actually heard the rest of it. Maybe I'll. Uh, that'll be a, like a little mini Patreon episode. Maybe yeah, there you go. Review of uh, <laughs> Savage's album. Who was on there plugging his album? Was it Fifty Cent holding it up or something? Someone yeah, was... yeah. Who clearly <laughs> never heard it in his entire life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might have been vi- vaguely aware of who Randy Savage is, and it's yeah. just like, hold the CD up, mate. That's it. Was the um, from what you saw was the Booker T documentary uh, any much up to much? I'm looking forward to watching that one, Gareth. Yeah, I'm, I've I just started watching that earlier today, and I'm about forty minutes uh, through it. But yeah, that's that's been that's been really good. Yeah, um, mm. there's a lot of it about his his early life and his upbringing, and you know, mm. obviously, you know heard the stories in the past about him getting arrested and doing time and things like that but it's really good that like Booker T's back in in Houston and he's like walking the streets and things where he you know where he used to live and things like that so you've got that reality element to it um, as well as he's, he's like t- telling the tales of his youth and then you know really um, you know, there's a there's a lot of detail about him getting into the business, and then they show a lot of the you know the the early stuff in Houston wrestling, and then in the GWF and things before they before he uh, moves on into WCW as well. So there's you know even 40 minutes in here, I'm literally just getting to the point where he's pretty much you know got into WCW. So there is a lot in there that you maybe sort of like didn't know, or there's a lot of fresh footage and things like that. You know, it's not just some regurgitate the usual you know. WWF clips or WCW clips that you used to used to see and things. You, you kind of get a real backstory into who the guy is, and you feel like I definitely already feel like oh, I've got more of a feel for who Booker T the 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 person is, and you know it's is it, because he's so naturally charismatic as uh, as well and naturally engaging. It 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 just comes across as been a bit more serious, I suppose, as well, because the last couple, obviously, with it been Savage and been Piper, the fact that he's alive and telling his own story and things like that, you know, you're not you're not relying on these talking heads to put meat on the bones that are um, things that have maybe just become legend over time or things like that. He's you know he's he's, he's telling it like it is, and yeah, it's a cracking cracking start to it. I can't can't wait to to watch the watch the end end of it really because it's uh, it's 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 really really well done and it, it comes across as a you know serious um, you know serious proper look at him and his life as opposed to it just been a you know throw some clips out there. He's a fluff piece on Booker T. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's a subject you don't expect, you know, to that are, you know, the the good episodes of uh, of stuff like that. So yeah, mm. I look forward to watching that one and uh, maybe talking it in a bit more detail next week. We can uh, talk it along with uh, if it is the uh, the next Dark Side in yeah. JP. You are right, it is the Nick Gage episode. So so much for Ooh, a week off. Look okay. forward to that. That'll be fun. Bit of, yeah. bit, 
<laughs> bit of fluff. There you go. There you go. So we got that to come as well. So yeah, it's documentary season right now. So uh, that's a lot forward yeah. to. But yeah, um, to accompany the documentaries, uh, I don't know. I suppose uh, related to that, uh, related to uh, what's going on on Vice. Uh, MLW time, JP. Should we talk? Uh, they soon to uh, yeah. appear at uh, eleven AM on Saturday mornings. Uh, MLW, you know, 12, 12 PM is it uh, on Saturdays? MLW. Twelve PM. Twelve PM. I still there hope Stephen New has his uh, has his agreement because they haven't <laughs> sorted out the problem. And I thought about this in much greater detail this week. I was thinking, <laughs> the problem is, is this is the military industrial complex where they they're basically getting companies who aren't prepared to make that stuff. It's to do with sort of contracts and the rest of it. <laughs> But yeah, perhaps I gave it too much thought. But anyway, it's a problem that needs to be sorted. And he appears to be the only one who's taking this seriously, as I repeated last week. So if you were in the military and you did receive those, he's the man you call. MLW this week was a bit of a work rate special, I thought. Like to MLW standard. Like, it had it had two what you would think of as sort of MLW four stars, which is basically three stars. Um, so if you just, yeah, add an extra star on, like I thought this was arguably <laughs> one, of the, one of the better one. Just because Corp Bauer's yeah. lying in your pockets, JP. That's not how this works. <laughs> Look, do as I say, don't do as I do. <laughs> I, I, I refer back to the earlier conversation about journalism and wrestling. So... Yeah, cool. If you want to get in the blower, mate, send the press releases this way. I'll read them out in the morning. Um, it, it was. It, I, I thought this was overall quite fun and an easy watch. Mm. And they've worked in. They've got the original actor in. As it's not Dario Cueto. I suspect it's Dario Cuero. They're just going to say El Jefe. Otherwise, fine. Yeah, stick with that. Just call him that. It's mm. absolutely fine. Um, where it takes its storyline wise is a whole other direction because it just appears to be another chance to launch sort of lucha underground, but fair fucks to him. Otherwise, I kind of enjoyed I enjoyed the opener between Laredo Kid and Gringo Loco. I thought that's the best Gringo Loco match that possibly we'll see outside of that mad six man in at WrestleMania weekend. Um I thought Myron Reed versus Leo Rush was was good. I enjoyed it. I thought it was good, fast-paced action. Went 15 minutes, which is basically like a 47-minute match in W <laughs> terms, isn't it? It doesn't really operate by the same set of rules. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I thought Selena De Laurente, who I thought had originally died, but there was a huge, there was a video on Twitter put up by actually her boyfriend where it's her running towards a helicopter clearly legging it away. Never showed the helicopter leaving because obviously they haven't paid for that. But like they had him saying, yep, we've got her away. She's gone. And then that's it. That's her written out, which like, it's a hell of a run. I don't know what she's going to do next, but yeah, I'm, I, I found the whole thing quite fun. No, I'm on an island on this one. <laughs> I was just letting you go. Mate. It was good to see you take the reins back on the MLW discussion, you know, leading yeah. things, leading the way, as things should be. Yeah. You set it up in the you set it up in the group chat when you you let me know that it was the work rate edition. So uh, I had a, and you and you I couldn't just have it as background noise. I had to sit down and, 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 and watch it properly and consider the matches properly. But I was just I was just laughing to myself as as I was watching it at the start and thinking to myself, look at it like. I just watch MLW now. I was thinking, look, by, <laughs> look, look how by stealth you've somehow made it. So I just watch it. MLW is just part of my weekly repertoire now. It's just a program <laughs> that I watch. <laughs> so congratulations Three weeks on that. in a row. 
oh, it's more End now. The season notes, fucking gutsy. It's four. Yeah, I was going to say. Look, sometimes you just uh, you need that little break to break a habit, don't you? But um, but no, MLW I, retro, mate. Next week, <laughs> Steve Carino was mentioned earlier on in the chat. Well, <laughs> you might be all over this in the next few weeks. <laughs> no, I, I, I will. I will say that. I'm, yeah. No, I'm. I'm I'm pleased. It's an it's an hour well spent every uh, every every week at least just for the uh, the different nature of it. Um, if we, we're not here for the wrestling, we're here for you know in the main we're here just to see a few mad storylines and a few like odd characters and things like that. And yeah, um, get, I'm I'm all about that as well. Like I, I love to say that. And I I will confess I have been I have been in, enjoying it as much as I'm not going to be throwing stars at anything here just as a different presentation of wrestling i think it's uh it is it is working working for me but yeah if this if this was the work rate show your mlw multiplier on the star ratings there definitely counts because uh <laughs> gringo loco laredo kid was a was a 2.25 at best for me there early on i wasn't getting much out of that and that that if if you say that that is a 15 minute match in mlw is a, a 47 minute match on the mlw <laughs> That's about accurate because it certainly fucking felt like a forty-seven minute match when I was watching it. I've gone, a, I've gone three stars dead on that one, and I, th- I just, yeah. I mean, I, I think I've come to learn over the last couple of months that I'm just not a Leo Rush guy. I think I just don't think uh, I just don't think Leo Rush is for me. Far from WrestleMania weekend and following on with a few matches since that I've watched in different places and things like that. Um, yeah, I just don't don't think uh, think that's for me and. And I think I'm right in saying that uh, Myron Reed is now the first person to ever uh, win a title again in MLW history. I, th- I think yeah. that's right. They, they didn't mention it at all during the match. Uh, they only managed to shoehorn it in there every uh, every other two seconds there. That if he won, he would be the first person to achieve that goal. So uh, <laughs> it was it was a real shock to me when he did at the at the end. It was, it was a real surprise <laughs> that chain had been been broken. I thought there was uh, here some some. Great Great information sharing there from the from the commentary team, but yeah, I, th- I think that match was one that it really suffered from the no crowd, and I'm, mm. I'm kind of intrigued to see once they get back to a bit of crowd uh, there in, fr- in in front of that. I think it just it killed the match dead for me that yeah. there was zero atmosphere around it, and I think I might have nudged it up to three and a half with a with a bit of a crowd, but it was a it was a three star dead. Yeah, I give a three as well. I think I, the thing that went against it is it, it, MLW, and I'll always say to their credit, they do like the the crowd noise at a nice level behind the action that makes you kind of forget that it's an empty arena match. And then there'll be a big spot of which there are a few in this Leon Rushmar and Reed match. And then there's just no one reacting to it. And it does come across weird. So I, I see what you mean, guy. I think I probably. You know, a, a GCWS crowd going crazy for a match like this would drag it up at least half a star. You know what I mean? Like, because uh, that's the mm. the type of of match it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd, Leon Rush, I can give or take. Like, I don't have a, I still don't feel like I have a strong feel on him or not. I can see where you're coming from, Gareth. That yeah, I mean, these big spots he's been in so far, I think he's flattered to deceive. Really, it's just not. He's not really, yeah. You know, made me think. Oh, they're, it's great. Leo Rush is getting this big indie run. Maybe it's partly who he's been in there against as well. But mm. yeah, I don't, I, I'm not ready to you know throw him away entirely. I still think there's he's got a place as far as you know somebody who's ex WWE with a bit, little bit of name value, and you know still has something to give and is willing to try. You know, and put on put on big matches. But you know, in there with a Myron Reed, Reed's the type of wrestler who love to see him come over for TNT. 
like he's the type of wrestler you know using that relationship GCW and TNT have got or you know TNT have got with wrestlers with workers across the world to bring in you know people like he's the type mm-hmm. of guy that they use um, I'd love to see that because I think he just needs that more seasoning he needs that more time working places in front of diff- in front of actual crowds as well um, and doing you know I applaud MLW for putting him in this main event spot and you know in the season finale giving him you know that chance to, to shine against the Leo Rush but yeah, I think this match kind of showed. Yeah, he's not, he's not all the way there yet. Um, but you know, there's certainly uh, the potential there with him. I, I would say uh, to come. Um, but yeah, oh, the match was fine. Uh, to be honest, the biggest thing coming out of the show was that El Jefe angle for me. I'm, I'm bang into that. Like I'm bang, you know, any kind of Lucha Underground return is uh, I'm down with. I still kind of find it weird that it's like this, you know budget court power version where you know it's azteca underground and yeah dario equator is gonna have a new name and yeah we're doing lunch underground but it's not really I still don't know temple. is it yeah but is it a temple is it a, is it a is it a tv show is it a stable i'm still a little bit unclear on where we're going with it but i did you know i didn't manage to see this episode of mlw live but i did in the five minutes before blood and guts throw it on because i wanted to see the el jefe payoff and i wanted to see what happened and i got my money's worth you know he's a he's an unbelievable performer uh, dario cueto for anyone who's uh who wasn't uh, aware of lucha underground before and yeah he is uh, he is great in those uh those little segments so yeah that, it paid off for me the, uh, the lucha underground fan of me from uh, five or six years ago uh, definitely enjoyed that part of the show oh yeah it was it was great fun. I mean, and, it, and do you know what it does? It just adds a little bit of buzz. Where mm. in these incremental numbers is something that you need. Mm. And there's a lot of a kind of a soft spot for Lucha Underground, even though what they did in terms of the contracts was awful for mm. a lot of the performers. How long they had to wait? I mean, let that not be forgotten about. Mm. But ultimately, like they presented a version of wrestling. It's kind of what we said about Wrestling Society X, where it's just like you kind of wonder why this didn't quite connect because there's elements to this that are very, very good and are done very, very well. It's how MLW managed to bring it across. That's the key. There was a sheen to Lucha Underground that won't be there with MLW Hmm. unless it manages to kick off. And it's always going to depend on them for like the, the kind of talent and what, they tended to draw decent houses mm. and so they might be able to capitalize on a fair bit of buzz when they kind of come back touring properly but it, it's it, i mean they're on vice tv so they're on tv so they're doing something right at least i mean i'm guessing they're not being paid for it it'll be an ad sharing thing but who knows mm. but also if it's on at 12 are they going to need to think about content is there anything mm. they've got to worry about is it behind a kind of password protected thing so they might get away with it like sky atlantic putting on the fucking wire at like nine o'clock in the morning and stuff like that you know mm. like, great <laughs> song. yeah see what uh, if a uh, cork can uh, work himself for a, a better time slot going forward you know double will with dark side of the ring maybe that's what they're uh, they're aiming for there but yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be tuning in, JP. Once it's on Vice and yeah, they go new again in front of crowds, as Garrett said. I'm uh, I am interested in uh, in how it looks from there. But um, yeah, I mean, moving on, uh, JP. Did you watch uh, some Dragon Gate as well? Uh, you wants to mention before we get out of here? I did. I won't be taking long on this because mm. from what I saw of it, it really wasn't that great. Mm. I think I started off better. I just wanted to see the big matches and the presentation because it had the English commentary, mm. which. Dragon Gate is kind of essential if, like me, you're just dipping your toes in and you're not that invested. Having Jay on there and, and Ho-Ho Loon, who was a 
it was just kind of as a comedy kind of sidekick. Mm. But like Jay especially is like a massive help because he knows these storylines inside and out. Of the matches that I saw, I haven't seen all of the main events. I won't lie, during the, the those dead or alive cage matches, they they're just so they're too contrived. And they're so over the top, I can't engage with them in the same way that the elimination tag match that me and Gareth watched the other month, I couldn't get engaged with that because there's just too much going on. I thought with it overall, like the best match is um, Keisuke Okuda versus Uti. Um, Okuda comes out with this like kind of a Saka based rapper called Nasty. And he's like a great little striker. There's some really good all action stuff. He had a really good match the month um the show I saw before probably a couple of months ago I can't remember anymore um, and I thought that was a good match then after that it kind of it sort of went into a it was kind of nothing really stood out there was a, a tag match that was between R.E.D. you've got that great music that Pac used when he first came over so they've always got that going for them against Mokuzuki and Yoshida and it was fine. I was like three stars. They opened the triangle gate match. It was a it was a Dragon Gate six man, and you've seen them. You've seen them done better. I think you've seen one live, Benno. Um, like this, it, it's fine. But ultimately, you're not really getting like a lot from it. And I think again, I was I was going to go three and a half on that. Then there's the title match, which Shun Skywalker after about thirty seconds does a drop toe hold. And Hip Hop Kikuta in his hometown goes down and he fucks his shoulder up. So they work out this fuck finish after about a minute, which is why I was I was looking at the ratings going, why is this like one star? Basically, he goes in there, Shun Skywalker puts on a submission, they throw the towel in for him, so it's not like he taps out in his hometown, just to try and save it on the fly, which is probably as best as they could have done. Because it was so innocuous, but it's like he fucked up his collarbone or something. So, like... That was like a minute long or like a minute and a half. And it was like a real disappointment. And then, yeah, it got through that dead or alive cage match, which I've heard WH talk about the rules of it before, and it doesn't make any sense. There's too much. It's about picking up flags from the top of it. it. Lad was shooting cap guns. There's some like sort of good action in the ring. And then there's just this bits where people are chucking streamers at people climbing up. And I'm just like, right, I'm, I'm not engaging with this at all. You know, we were talking about silly stuff for blood and guts at the beginning. My God, imagine putting this on fucking primetime telly. Like, what's that audience not grow to 1.2 million? What the fuck is this? <laughs> it's, it's like, it makes TNA look like fucking mid-Atlantic, mate. That's what it does. It's that level of, like, nonsense going on. And apparently the, the second half isn't any, is good, but I haven't seen it yet. So, yeah, Dragon Gate Dead or Alive 2021. You told me there was English commentary, and I was intrigued. Genuinely, mm. I was like, "Dragon Gate something like over years." Like, you know, you joke about it. Like, I was seeing the Dragon Gate six man fucking 50, 16 years ago. Now that's all we are. Yeah, fifteen years ago, and like ever since then, like there's definitely been been little periods where like, oh, when a lot of the ROH guys were over at Dragon Gate, even your Jimmy Raves and Austin and Roddy Strong's of the world, I'd be, you know, get, getting a couple of DVDs and trying to get into it, and then. There's been other times since where I've yeah you know when Pac returned you know I've I tried to uh, to get into it and watch it like 
it does intrigue me the fact there's English commentary, but as soon as yeah, I saw the grapple ratings, and crucially, I saw Alan Farrell. He literally at the last second saved me. I saw he uh, he put on our Patreon saying, "Yeah, this isn't the uh, the Dragon Gate uh, show for you to uh, to jump back in on." Uh, as far as uh, being yeah. a, a notable one, I uh, I gave this one a miss, but I am. Um, Genuinely, you know, I know we joke about uh, me not wanting to watch all Japan mm. and Noah, but Dragon Gate's one, yeah, English commentary does appeal to me um, as a product I'd like to watch, especially for the, the bigger shows and the more recommended stuff. Mm. He's good. Mm. He's like the other guys. I mean, it does make, it makes a massive difference. It makes a big difference for Noah. It makes a big difference for kind of just, if you want to expand, you have to have English language commentary. Mm. It's just, you can't do it. Even if it's some somebody recording at home, like watching over and recording a voiceover, at least it's there at least. And you may only pick up a couple of hundred people, but do you know what? It's a couple of hundred people mm. and wrestling is a game of, of incremental margins in a niche market. Mm. And you have to try and make those games wherever you can. And that's stuff that they have to do. And it's good that they're doing it and they've got the right person for it. Cause Jay lives in Japan and he's an enormous Dragon Gate fan. So like they've got it one on that. It's just that this show isn't very good. So. <laughs> oh, well. I'll it's give it a go again. Yeah. It's not like I think I'm not writing off the whole promotion, but. Yeah. Careful, Jay. Careful, JP. Call be happy with the new MLW Dragon Gate relationship. Wow. There. You won't want to hear you slagging off Dragon Gate. You're supposed to be, uh, <laughs> supposed to be selling yeah, it. Um, Close to home, that Andy killed Dan. Yeah, great point. <laughs> um, yeah. You'll be calling Carlo. Well, hopefully he's bringing over the MLW land. Won't he? Yeah, knocking at my door with fucking what's his name? Tankman and fucking the rest of Injustice. <laughs> He'll be LA Park and his shit sons. Right. Fucking <laughs> He will be LA. I hope it's LA Park. I mean, Christ, I'd have to make a big feed for those lads. Christ. Um, well, yeah, I think that brings us to the end then. Uh, oh, I assume nothing else yeah. uh, you guys have watched or wanted to mention. We don't want to have a three-hour conversation no. about the uh, the future of Daniel Bryan. Do any of us care at this point? I don't think I do. <laughs> We've had that conversation. Believe it when I see it. Yeah, so yeah. Well, I saw your daily update, JP, and it was just like, yeah, Daniel Bryan pretends, pretends he's leaving. I believe it when I see it. It was like, full stop. That's it. That's yeah. That's all That's all we need to yeah. think about it. He's talk- Daniel Bryan is talking it, it, shit again. I'll believe it when I see it. <laughs> when did you believe football transfers? You believed them when you saw the player in the ground holding up a scarf or wearing the shirt that's mm. when yeah this has happened <laughs> until that point skepticism remains that's what i've learned i'll believe it when it's in the echo yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like me having a fight nice and reliable the echo <laughs> uh well that's about your neighbors mate they're fucking terrifying those bastards <laughs> Nice, yeah. I'll be, I'll be front page. Neil Docking will be, uh, will be writing about me if this, uh, this blog turns up again. But yeah, get to uh, stay tuned for that. Uh, Patreon, uh, we'll get you the videos. They'll be, uh, they'll be coming uh, on that side. But yeah, I think that uh, nicely brings us uh, to the end of a nice, uh, nice tight show there, lads. Uh, yeah, anything to uh, to plug? JP, do you want to mention your uh, your show with uh, Arn Eddie last week again? If uh, anyone hasn't checked yes. that out, there was an episode with uh, Andy Ogden this week as well, wasn't there? I actually, yes. I'm going to watch that. I think uh, talking talking all, all rot, all things rot. Style. It's not a subject yep. that would particularly interest me normally, but I'd love to uh, see what Andy had to say. I saw him in, uh, in the little video clip I saw with his uh, little Rochdale top on. Um, yeah, I think that'd be a good, a good watch too. Yeah, 
glorious stuff and uh, yeah i really enjoyed it i'm looking forward to watching that one but yeah i was on with uh, arn and eddie talking all things arsenal which is a, a wonderful change of pace mm. so yeah um if you haven't listened to that listen to that one and then obviously subscribe to the patreon uh patreon.com forward slash grapple in case you hadn't heard we mentioned it a couple of times <laughs> there you go uh, yeah get your ratings in on grapple normal stuff gareth Absolutely. Same as always. If you haven't got the app already, what are you doing? Get yourself on App Store. Get yourself on Google Play. Download the app and yeah, start uh, start rating those matches. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Other than that, follow us all on Twitter. You all probably know where we are now. Uh, and yeah, we will be back again next Monday night for more live hijinks. And yeah, we'll uh, got the obviously the weekend preview show coming on uh, later this week. JP, busier weekend this week. There's an impact pay per view. Mm-hmm. Um, believe it or not um, and a sage and a WWE pay-per-view which uh, yeah is even more of a trivia fact because uh, apparently uh, oh, apparently God, Wrestlemania yeah. backlash is happening um, oh that is one thing I watched quickly watch Smackdown on Friday Roman Reigns was great end of review anywho um, <laughs> <laughs> they brought back the other Russo and they teased them being on Roman's side and then in the end they had a bit of a, a shindig at the end where they all battered Cesaro as the uh, current number one contender who you know what? For all the people who act like Cesaro, should have been should have been a top guy in WWE. Should he really? Um, I don't know. He's getting a shot here. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, there you go. He's uh, taking Daniel Bryan's spot in uh, in that feud. It seems like, but there again, it was uh, it was a, it was an easy Saturday morning watch. Roman Reigns chewing scenery. Always good uh, good content by me. The rest mm. of it less so. So there you go. There's a recommend there. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll uh, preview all that stuff coming up on the weekend. Preview all the other uh, Patreon stuff we mentioned there as uh, is happening then. But yeah, other than that. We will see you all again next Monday night. Bye. See ya. Hulk Hogan, Hollywood Hulkster, whatever they call you, I'm coming after you, you coward. I think it's damn Hogan, right? You set it off. Set it off. Used to be hard, Hulk, now you done turns off. Doing telephone commercials, I seen ya. Dancing in tight as a ballerina. I knew all along you had those tendencies. Cause you've been running from macho like I got a disease. Dude, please, your pay-per-view event was a joke. You're avoiding Randy Savage cause you know you can smoke Come on, that phony fight, the rock straight too fast But when they challenge me to a real fight, he passed I called him out, but the punk was scared to go It was a charity event, but the Hulk didn't show Hollywood Hulkster, you're at the end of your rope And I'ma kick you in the butt and wash your mouth, I would show Cause, like Rodney Dangerfield, you get some respect So come on, Hulk, let's wreck so I can put you in check Be a man, Hulk! Come on, don't be scared You're running from Macho, that's what I heard